Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into a very special 100th episode of Bandwagon Nerds. That's right, 100 basically weekends, weeks in a row. I, I don't know that we've ever missed a week. Gentlemen, no, I'm seeing head shakes. Yeah, nope. awesome for us. I'm so thrilled. To be here, of course, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, and we have a full, full, full bandwagon with you today. We have not one, not two, but three guests appearing on the show, and we are starting off big time with the kingpin of the Chairshot Radio Network and the Chairshot.com, the man himself, my best friend. One, Mr. Greg DeMarco. That's right. Yep. Y'all know good and damn well no boss gets claps. Come on now. If I get booze, <laughs> Greg gotta get booze. <laughs> and of course, you are in the live studio audience letting you know exactly how they feel about you, Mr. Ray Cash. Of course, lawyer, we have the full bandwagon here. You've heard the Reverend Ray Cash, lawyer David Ungar is here as well, as is the live studio audience, PC Tunney. Greg, welcome to the bandwagon, though. We're going to start with you. How you doing, man? I, uh, why would I get booze, like, Ray? I mean, come on, like, it's, it's, I'm the head of the table of the chair shot, right? Like, acknowledge me. I mean, come on. Like, you know how this works. I don't, I don't want to be alone, and you're the closest to me. In the middle, so I figured <laughs> two man power. Trip. I can take it, I, I can do that. Um, as Patrick will tell you, I'm fine with the booze, I, I would rather get booed than, than get cheered in life in general. So, if everybody loves I? you, you're, you're not, if everybody loves you, you're doing something wrong, you're not trying hard enough. So, that's uh, that's what I look at. But thank you for having me on. This is I don't want to talk politically about the show just yet. I'm sure I'll do that later. But to be a part of the 100th episode and what it means to get to 100 episodes is a big deal. 
and I'm excited to to be here and to celebrate that with you guys because it's your it's your accomplishments, not my accomplishment whatsoever. But for you guys to get to 100 episodes is awesome, and we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. But yeah, very very excited to be here and very happy for you guys. Thank you, and we are happy to have you, Greg, uh, Mr. Tunney, Mr. Ungar. How, how's it going, Dave? We'll start with you. How you how you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. I just for the for the record, you know, since I am the lawyer, I do want to say Greg has been on the show before. So we're welcoming him sure. back. It's been probably 95 episodes since then, but that's all right. Yeah, I know. It's all good. How's it? This is and if, you're, if you're trying to be a bit on the show, if you want to be if you want to be super specific, you guys also did miss one week in the beginning, but that's OK. Did we? One week. It was like sure. week four or five. It was just some crazy scheduling snafu you guys had to miss. But still, I mean, yeah, I've missed like, what, two of the last five. So, yeah, trust me, I, I get it. Like to only miss one week in 100 episodes is nothing compared to your other accomplishments. So it's true. Life, life does get in the way sometimes. Tony, how are how do you how are your Badgers feeling after their get right game against the University of Illinois yesterday where we gained 93 yards of total offense i patrick don't take this the wrong way but no one around here really give a shit what happened yesterday um the badgers I suck mean, this year too. the badgers also suck this year so yeah i mean you got a you're quarterback like, problem, you're one, you're one you step a, closer to getting you're one step closer to getting an actual head football coach for your college's universities so there you go oh, <laughs> jesus hey, thank you for that thank you for that okay so as i mentioned we have multiple guests on the show today greg is going to join us for the first segment of the show where he has already fully admitted he has not watched any of the programs that we're going to cover today so it'll be fun to hear his input um and we needed somebody to replace pc tunney's role on not watching the shows as it is he did catch up with doom patrol so i'm very excited to, to talk about that for the second segment of the show, we're going to have an old friend come back. Now, he came back not too long ago uh, for one of my absences. Oh, one of the many times I was out during August, I think. Things were kind of crazy busy for me. And that is the scientist, DPP, one of our co-hosts for a, for a long while. Uh, went off to do a Winner's U uh, for a little bit and do his own thing. And, you know, and his schedule just when we were recording couldn't quite work out. So I'm very excited to have him back. Uh, to talk some some New York Comic Con trailer park and, and a few news bits before we get into the main event, uh, which will be uh, an interview that Dave and I did uh, with Omar Spahi, a uh, content creator, young up and coming content creator who has literally done it all in the nerdosphere. He has been an author of comics. He executive produced. A, a movie on Netflix that was the top movie on Netflix for uh, for a period of time with both the Amell brothers. He has done a lot of writing for animated projects, including Big Ten or Ben Ten, not Big Ten, Ben Ten, and the most recent iteration of the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. And so that'll that'll be our our main event to wrap up the end of this show. And uh, yeah, just a just a full boat, exciting. 100th episode i'm very very proud of it and yeah i'm and i'm going to start today by throwing a curveball and going against the uh the rundown i'm going to do a little flipsy do dunkaroo and switch doom patrol with what if and so in order to do that we need to go to dave for a minute because i still haven't gotten the music yet and let dave cue up some doom patrol music for us oh wait Tony, are you are you, are you are you sad? Are you jealous? You can you can play the music. Do you want to play the music? No, I didn't know which one you wanted. 
It's Doom Patrol. You said you're doing, you're doing Marvel first, I thought you said. No, we're doing Doom Patrol first. That's oh, why we're switching to see if you'd write the run down. Keeping you guessing, Tony. Keeping you guessing. I Oh, man. This is off to a great auspicious beginning in front of the boss, you guys. Good job. Um, professionalism anyway, at its finest. Professionalism at its finest. Dave, why don't you bail us out and cue up some Doom Patrol music, okay? Excellent. Thank you very much, Dave, for bailing us out. Gentlemen, I'm going to sum up Doom Patrol Episode 5 the way you can probably sum up most of the Doom Patrol episodes. Everybody makes a bad life choice at the end of the episode. We got Rita Farr going back in time, apparently. We've got we've got Cliff stuffing his head full of internet drugs to help against, what, Parkinson's disease? Uh, I don't even know what's up with Cyborg these days. Everybody's making bad decisions. And we, we, Madame Rouge is not all, I think she knows. I, out, coming out of this episode, I think she remembers more than she's letting on. Uh, I think that uh, we, we got introduced to a new villain today. What did she call herself? The Fog. I have no idea what she did um, to Crazy Jane, but it can't be good. Not Nothing's going right. Tunny. Start with you now that you've caught up on the show. Your reactions to episode five of Doom Patrol. I, I just first want to say I'm so glad I'm caught up, and and it was such a it's such a hard show to watch back to back, so that's why I couldn't right. get caught up right away. But yeah, episode five, um, great. I mean, I I think you're gonna see a lot more with the sisterhood of Dada moving forward, considering you see like, uh, who was it? Uh, Vic ends up seeing the mask again that the guy was making for him, right? And things of that nature. I, I love the fog. I love when they went into the fog and all the different people they seen. It's crazy that um uh bandage guy I, I'm fucking horrible with names. Larry. Who's the bandage? Larry brought back his buddy from the Yeah, he brought his buddy back out of the fog too, which was crazy. So we got that to deal with now. That's a sign, moving right. forward. Thanks, Ray. I knew that. You said his, his I mean, you said his buddy. There's a difference between your buddy and your son. I said all right, whatever. Anyway, so I'm just excited to be caught up. I think it's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah, the the funny thing is with Jane and Kay, all that stuff going on is really interesting this year to me. So I don't know how this is all going to come back together. You imagine Niles will still be involved in this moving forward as well, even though he's been eaten by the zombies to turn them back. But you you can't count him out. That's right. Dave, your thoughts? Oh man, this episode was just crazy. My wife and I were watching it like half of the most of the time, like what the hell is going on? Um, it's 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 wild. The sisterhood of the Dada, and and what is the 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 guy who cyborg interacts with a lot? Who's half man, half bicycle? Is that like the 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 guy the creature from the Geico commercials? Right, the half half man, Bot- half motorcycle. Bot- uh, Botor, Botor, yeah. It's it, that relationship there because. That was the most 
powerful part of the episode was a conversation between those two and, and kind of him telling Cyborg, you don't know what discrimination is. And Cyborg thinking that he does basically because he's black and he's part machine. And just the interaction between those two was fascinating. Um, yeah. How did <laughs> how does Paul end up in the fog? Why can he not remember anything? The the I don't know what was going on with Kay and, and, and the character of the fog other than you know, hey, I'm going to the easiest way to a kid's heart is through their stomach. Give them sweets, that sort of thing. But it, it's, all it's ice cream. Give me all of the ice, all cream. all the ice cream. But yeah, like you're saying, Pat, at the end, Rita makes and and the first half of season three has really been Rita centric. I think it's a lot about her story and she's obviously going back in time to some place. We're not sure when, although the previews for the next episode give you a little bit of a hint. But yeah, I'm sure she's making a a, a very bad decision here. Craig, what did well, you think about the- Sister Dada? <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away when I saw the phrase Sisterhood of Dada. Like, what the hell is even that supposed to be? Interesting. I'm, I'm going to derail things and you ask me a question. Why is every episode titled Something Patrol? Like, isn't that a little overkill? Like, it's the like title of every episode one- is Something Patrol. Even an episode called Doom Patrol Patrol. Like, like, right. like it's, it's, it's like, mean, friend, it's why? Nice. The one where. Yeah, the one where we lacked creativity i know i just don't understand um but it's it's funny when you come in and you know three seasons and five episodes into a show or two seasons and five episodes into a show and just just researching it in general it's like i i think honestly as as you know an outsider it almost makes you not want to try like you read so much and you and you're just like i'm light years behind where anybody could be on a topic like this, how in the world could you ever get caught up? So I praise Tony for getting caught up as, as much as he had to do. But man, when you go into something, you know, two, two and a half seasons in or however, I don't know how many episodes a season's supposed to be, but it's insane. But looking at, at some of the things on there, like it's just, it's gotta be an intricate model that, that you guys, and I've heard, you know, I know about season three from listening to you guys, but that's it. Um, yeah, it's definitely definitely mind blowing just to just to read and see the different things about it, including and the first thing I saw was Sisterhood of Dada, and I was just like, "What is is that? Any relation? Any traveling pants? I don't even know." But that's where I am. All right, all right, Ray, get in there. Three the three quick things that caught my mind about this episode. One, anybody else find it interesting that uh, there is a a black half man, half bicycle slam poet in the Sisterhood of Dada? Am I the only no. one? Okay. Because it's Doom Patrol. It's Doom Patrol. Like, really, like, yeah, you can't be surprised here. Right, I mean, Dan, right. there, uh, there's a, a street turned into a wheel turned into an ambulance. So what the fuck, you know? That makes more sense Danny. than the slam there's, Danny. there's attacking butts, Ray, and you're worried about a, yes! a black, oh my God! A black poet in the middle of this <laughs> weird wasteland? Come on, Ray. You can find more shit to be concerned about. Eh. <laughs> Second thing. What the hell is in <laughs> is in Larry that's alive? That's tripping me out. Hold up. It's, hold up. Oh, I know hold what up. it is. Anyway, before you answer what it is, does anybody recall last week what I said when everybody was like, what's wrong with Larry? Does he have cancer? Okay, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear what you said I last said, week. So, no, it, no. La- Larry, I was, I was, it was like a pregnancy. That's what I compared it to. That's hmm. what I thought. And That's oh what my I gosh, thought. Now, exactly. living is running around inside of Larry Trainer. It's okay to compliment me for being right. Tony's on the same page. Honest to God, I did not. I did not listen to you guys talk about it last 
last week, right? I right. took my headphones off, and that's exactly what I thought when I watched because I was three episodes behind, and that's exactly what I thought. That spirit impregnated him some way, and that to take care of him. And maybe these spirits need a developmental time uh, on Earth with a, with a being before they can go out and and you know move forward into space like his spirit did. So maybe it was the spirit's way of taking care of Larry. Well, yeah, you raise a good point though, Tony, because in all the previous seasons when the spirit remember he was training himself to be separated from the spirit by what 20 30 seconds before mm-hmm. he started to die now the spirit's been gone for we don't know how long and he's what? supposedly dying but at a much slower pace which led what to was he's really, dying. is he really dying or is he just spirit pregnant and having morning sickness yes all right. of the above spirit d, d all of the above spirit pregnant my so third thing is three right yep Yes, um, I am not convinced the fog did something to Kay, but Kay being out of her prison or out of her um, stupor has ruined the underground because the underground was built around everybody protecting Kay from that room she was in. Now her walking around being another one of the presences or another one of the personalities kind of kills the whole point of there needing to be a Jane. And so I think that's, that's, that's the more interesting point. That's what they're wrestling with, though. Like that, And that's the thing is Jane... That one of the fascinating bits out of this was Jane saying, This isn't a bad thing to give K, like it's K's body, like it's mm-hmm. K, it's K. If K, it's it's going to be this interesting thing of whether or not these other personalities are going to are like they're trying to reject it because it's them facing their own sort of death and mortality, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's really the kind of way I look at it is that they're resisting because it could mean the end of them. Because if Jay, if Kay doesn't need them anymore, and Jane seems to see that as this is this may be a good thing, um, but the fog said something to Jane, and something happened uh, with her eyes. Yeah. Like there yeah. is a message to Madame Rouge. Sorry, um, what what was Laura what's her DeMille. fancy name? Laura DeMille. Laura DeMille. Um, I'm gonna keep calling her Madame Rouge because that's who she is. They like like there's something there. I think that it's very clear to me that that video, that that projection where Rita is in the past, I'm not sure that that's Rita. I wonder if that's some sort of thing Madame Rouge did, some sort of trickeration, even though she's in the video, but not like as well. Like they're both in that video. I, I'm or, or is it Rita? Or is it Rita who went back in time? Maybe so she thinks because it you right. know how time becomes a loop when you go right. back in time. Yeah, she's yep. convinced she's a time traveler. Rita Farr, world-renowned time traveler. Uh, I love it. And and I love it in her, like, 1930s style of description. Like, she's a newsreel. And apparently the Green Bay Packers scored. All right. What else can we glean from this episode? That somebody needs to teach Cliff the pros and cons of internet surfing. Oh, I love no, because he's so stupid. I love that he does these stupid things. Yes, let's go down that rabbit hole. I want a Russian bride to show up next week for him. That'd be fucking <laughs> That would be great. You know, you know it's not going to be something... Like, it's going to be something funny to start with before it has horrible consequences, right? And I'm going to make Tony... I'm going to make Tony mad real quick because as much as I know he loves Cyborg and I love Cyborg, this episode, I think, was a perfect encapsulation of why he doesn't fit. Because so much of his stuff is so different than the other four. You know, it's just, it just doesn't even feel like I'm on, on this, kind of on the same pace as everybody else. It almost feels shoehorned 
into this ridiculous family. And I mean, that goes back to the fact stuff we've talked about in the past. That Cyborg was never in the Doom Patrol in the comics, but they added him in here because he's name recognition and and he's been a good addition. But like you're saying, Ray, he doesn't something here isn't quite like the others. I mean, this this is a, a Justice League caliber superhero trying to fit in with these misfits and it's it's been fun and it's been entertaining and maybe this story is all about how he gets to the point where he turns into the, the cyborg of the justice league maybe no. that, but uh-huh. um he's no, he's going through i'll play the whole thing <laughs> one of these things is not like okay come on thank you thank you tony thank you anyway go ahead move on with whatever you're saying Real quick question, because I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this as somebody who is not as familiar with DC universe lore, but as somebody who is a fan of the Teen Titans Go cartoon, they had a whole week of episodes where Beast Boy returned home to the Doom Patrol. Was Beast Boy ever in Doom Patrol? Yes. Outside yes. of like in the comics. Yes. So why do you think that they went with a property that's never been in in Doom Patrol in Cyborg, who I get the idea is familiar. Beast Boy is also a familiar character. He's in Titans. He's a big part of Titans, which now is Cyborg in Titans? Yes. Or are those separate? Like, I don't watch Titans. So Cyborg's just fucking everywhere on these DC shows. You mean the show Titans or? The show Titans. Oh, no, he's not. The show show Titans and Doom Patrol in the same world because Doom Patrol is a spinoff of Titans. Okay. So that explains then why Beast Boy isn't in Doom Patrol. Yeah. Because he's in Titans and they're, and they're keeping the two separate. The episode when Beast Boy joined the uh, joined the Titans, he, he took Raven back to Doom Manor. And that's the episode we met the Doom Patrol. And then gotcha. that episode did well enough that they gave them their own show. I see. Now it's all coming together and I still don't care about DC. Hey, you win some, you lose that's right. All right. So this episode, you know, like I said, it ends with it ends with Rita making the terrible decision to go back in time. I look forward to seeing what happens in Rita's misadventures in time and things to go horribly, horribly wrong with Cliff. How long before we have a glowing baby boy for Captain Trainer? We don't know. And and you're right, Beast Boy just seems to be or not Beast Boy, Cyborg seems to just kind of be out there. So we're halfway through the season, fellas. Uh, that's the other nice thing about the these series that we're covering right now. Nice disposable seasons of about 10 episodes each. We got Lock and Key coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll start doing a double dip that way when Lock and Key hits. But, you know, until then, Doom Patrol all on its own. Uh, and we'll have more in, you know, more coverage come next week. But for now, let's shift to the better side of the dichotomy and visit Marvel. Okay, before we talk about the finale of Marvel's What If, I do actually want to ask an honest question of you, Greg. As a guest, I want to keep you involved. And as I Midwest pronounce your name and really stretch that E out, 
That's okay. Thoughts on, the, thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole and the concept of what if, like, these show these episodes of, like, something different happening within the MCU and creating an alternate universe. Just, like, what, what are your thoughts, and have you given any thought to checking the show out? To answer the second question first, yes. And, and my son has watched all of them, and so when you have a 15-year-old who watches this stuff, it's very much of... You got to watch this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Got to watch this. Have you seen this? And you realize just how much you haven't watched or seen when you have a 15 year old son who watches everything on his phone, even, um, which is just amazing how much technology has gone. I love the what if concept. I really love the fact that you can take storylines that people are so invested in and and have so much emotional energy invested in. And so if you're going to change them and alter them, then people are going to get just as emotionally invested in them, good or bad. Some people might have loved the way certain things went, and so when you change them, they hate it. Other people, you know, and, and Patrick's talked about this before, even on this show, when something wasn't on their playlist that really happened, then to have an opportunity to have it changed uh, definitely definitely goes in the direction. All four of us, pretty much at some point in our lives, have loved in pro wrestling what we call fantasy booking. And isn't that what if it's taking Marvel and fantasy booking it? And most people take wrestling and fantasy book it from a certain point. They don't start from scratch. They go, okay, here's what I would have done at WrestleMania and beyond. So they take storylines up to a point and then go. And that's really what Marvel's what if does. It takes the stories from a certain place and goes. What I do like and, and from what I do know about it and what I have seen is that it then – took on a life of its own and kind of became its own thing, right? And especially with the episode you guys are about to talk about. And 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 I know, and I don't know, you guys have to tell me, and I might pick it up during your analysis of the episode, the Watcher seems to be a, you know, is he a more important character in the overall universe going forward? Like, I don't know, but it seems like he was the, you know, center point of this whole thing and, and the roles that he was playing and everything that was taking place over the first nine, I know it's supposed to be 10, but over the first nine episodes, I just love the concept. And, and, you know, if I look through it as almost anything, I mean, as a sports fan, right, who doesn't love to look at a football game and talk about the plays they would have called instead? Like, I know Tony's probably exploding inside right now hearing that. Like, I would have ran there. I would have thrown there. Like, there's just so much that you see that you would have done. And what if really explores that concept um, to the point where, you know, Ray and, and Mags did a what if episode of Chair Shot Radio last week that was insanely entertaining and it's something that i want us as a brand to explore more from a wrestling perspective i just think the concept is great and i just can't i don't know why someone wouldn't be interested in it to be honest with you and just from any genre but especially one as widely successful as marvel plus from a business standpoint why not take the stories you've already put so much time into and make a little bit more off of them just by redoing them and that's clearly what Marvel's doing here. Uh, yeah, I learned a couple of things out of, out of that whole statement. One, it sounds like maybe we should have the little DeMarco on the show at some point to talk to us about a, a show that we're watching because he Possibly. seems to be part of the target, audi- target audience. Absolutely. Uh, and, and two, to answer your question about the Watcher, the Watcher is a unique unique character in the Marvel comic book lore and universe in that his name really is what he's supposed to do. And they talk about, you know, he took an oath. Uh, the, the watchers take an oath to never involve themselves in the goings on of the universes that they're watching. And Uatu, the name of, of this particular watcher, is a unique one in that he, t- he, he always takes a special interest in humans and, and Earth. 
in the in the 616 universe in particular and he has broken his oath in, in you know in the 50 60 some years of uh, in the history of comics like he has broken his oath in the fantastic four he's broken his oath at other times but he always shows up when it's really about to go down in in the marvel universe uh and, and so things like galactus arriving to to take out earth uh or uh, i'm trying to think when the one of the times when the beyonder pulls everybody out of reality the watcher shows up the watcher shows up um oh gosh um, other time he's but he's never shown up for like civil war like he's never shown like civil war which is this massive marvel comic event he doesn't show up uh, and and characters who can see him are like oh this must be really bad if the watcher's here so i love a watu i love that he he constantly struggles to to maintain his oath and, and only be an observer Ray, Dave, or, or Tani, remind me who voices Owatu for the series because it's somebody. It's one hell of an actor. I can't remember. He's Jeff, in uh, Jeffrey Wright. That's, That's it. Yeah, he's from and, Westworld. Recently. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. I love him in Westworld. He's amazing in Westworld. He's a trivia. He's a great, uh, great addition of voice actor. Uh, but this episode was the culmination of the nine episode what if. And Greg alluded to it. We're going to talk about that after we go over the episode. There was actually a tenth one that didn't get aired and, and it didn't get made due to COVID. Uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit because there was a character that was, you know, Watu brings all these other mostly heroes together from the previous episodes that we've watched to stop Ultron who has gained possession of all the infinity stones is basically just wiping out reality after reality as he sees fit and, and brings them together in a very elaborate plan to stop them and basically uses his ability to see the future to stop not only Ultron, but to then also contain the stones that, and, and at least in this, this, uh, this universe's like stones and their um, and the two people vying for fa- for power to get it in Killmonger and Ultron who who refuses to quit. Dave, I'll start with you this time. Your reaction to the episode? What if Marvel? What if the season one finale of Marvel's What If? Well, first, since this is the hundredth episode of Bandwagon Nerds, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on one point and object to your statement that this is the superior show to Doom Patrol. But that being Wait, said, I didn't say that. You said you we're said going that. to the better side. You said of it was better. That's right. You, oh, no. you, I've got no, my you witness. One rule of advertising and marketing. You can say almost any adjective you'd like except for better because it defines two things. You can say best and define that any way you want. I but mean, when you say obje- better, that means one clearly above the Oh, uh, exactly. There we go. See, That's the mean, guy I love. Thank you. Thank there's you. no there's no question to it. Marvel's better than DC. Oh. I didn't say that Doom Patrol was a better show than what if. Like oh, you know, okay. it's okay, Catch. See see the okay. semantics. Proving here. Our point. Anyway. All right. We appreciate no, it. I, I stand by it. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're doing a great job. I understand. I know. He's wrong. So he's wrong, but he's doing a great job at it. So that's that's <laughs> perfect. I can tell you football team logo an, behind your head and you're sitting there talking to me about being wrong. Hey, they're tired. I, I can tell you as an onlooker when he said when, I can tell you as an onlooker, when he said better side of the equation, I automatically assumed Marvel over DC. Right? Fine. 
back your back your it's biased. Greg's biased. I'm objecting to that. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, yeah, this episode where it was um it was great how they brought everything kind of full circle in this episode. It incorporated every single character because as we went and reviewed this, you know, as we went along, um, it just seemed like these were just spinoffs. Like, like Greg was saying, you know, different takes, fantasy booking and that sort of thing. And then for them to actually come up with a, a coherent way to bring this all together at the end was very clever on their part and, and, and caught a lot of us by surprise as because I don't think too many of us thought, you know, like my wife's big concern when she's first started watching it was I've just learned to accept one universe. Now you want me to accept all these other possibilities. And it's like, well, of course I do. You know, you're married to me. So you've got to accept that shit. That, that's how it goes. Um, so the fact that they were able to pull this all together and, and create something at the end that really everybody had a part to play. And, and, and you know, they brought in the alternate version of Black Widow and, and introduced her into a timeline where she was needed, which you know, I don't know what you guys thought, but when they brought her in there, didn't that seem like the six one six universe that we knew, or at some point in time that they brought her in? I'm I'm not sure. No, Maybe no, not, no, no, because she doesn't die no. till the end. But um, but, but can ahead. I can I just say that when she, when she got introduced, it made me be like, oh, so that's how they're going to launch season two. Could be because because if there's one thing we've learned about about this like meddling with universes and stuff, is you really shouldn't do it. Right. Like, and so Watu now is throwing somebody from another reality to, to a place where there was a void. Right. But I couldn't help but think of that, um, that office gif of Steve Carell where he's making the, the like the face. Oh, the like no. The, like he's, he's gritting his teeth. Oh, no, okay. not like the please. He's just gritting his teeth, like really tight, like this. Okay. As he's like, and it's weird. But it's like that, oh shit face. Like, right. Right. I loved it. And the other thing we know from Marvel is that pocket dimensions usually don't work out so well. So you've got Ultron and Killmonger fighting each other in this pocket dimension, presumably forever. And we know that that's not going to work out too long. Guarded by a strung out dark Doctor Strange. That's like, right. What could, poss- what could possibly go Possessed wrong Possessed with a Kraken. So, yeah, it's it, what can go wrong? But it was it was a really cool episode. Huh? He released the Kraken. He did. <laughs> he did he release it. it released it. It's um, it's, I, I did like the the mid credit scene, which was a nice throwback. You know, bringing everything full circle again, and a nice throwback to Captain America. So it's a, it was a great ending to the series. And I, I just like I said, I'm really impressed with how they brought everything full circle, made everyone matter, and kept Killmonger as just as power hungry jackass all the way to the very end. So that's my thoughts. All right, Ray Cash. I'm kind of with Dave. I think the cool part, the coolest part about the people they chose was that why he chose them. And kind of like Greg was saying, from a what if standpoint, you're taking it from one point and you're changing it, but they still were their same people. So like Peggy, even though she may not have been Captain America in our universe, we know Peggy Carter was always a leader and she's the one that gets everybody kind of roped in together. T'Challa was kind of the, the, the empathetic one to try to help everybody even though that that Killmonger wasn't his cousin, he kept trying to bring Killmonger in and do the right things. Even though Thor was bro Thor, he still did Thor stuff. Like I thought that was really cool. That didn't change too much. Um, also, I'm really I'm I, we didn't get a chance to see it, but man, I would have killed to have seen Hawkeye's face when the new when the old when the new widow showed up, because like you know, bro, you was there when she died. 
So like, that's a crazy ass nightmare for you. Um, but yeah, the 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 pocket dimension and the dark Doctor Strange. This is the first episode that's made me think what Tony's been saying the entire time. Maybe some of this may pop up in the physical MCU. I didn't think of any of that because it just seemed too far out, seemed too kind of perfectly in, in like encapsulated in its own world. But man, like Dark Doctor Strange is a thing that we need to see on like actual movies. Like that is too perfect of a character. I, I'm going to go back to what I said last week. Uh, I think there's a possibility he could show up as early as Spider-Man No Way Home. Very possible. I just want to well, see... If, if, at least at least Multiverse of Madness. Dude, I just want to see yeah. Thor's battle cry in Love and Thunder be Vegas. You know, that's that's got to that be a real thing. That was good stuff. That, uh, so if there's any part of that movie that's in Vegas, we know Feige is working hard. He's there, really there's, working. So, there's so much about Bro Thor that was hilarious. Uh, I love when he like tries to blast Ultron, like he starts firing lightning off just for the hell of it. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I told you I tend to attract attention. Like <laughs> he's like, I warned you this could happen or this would happen. And, and then it did. He, he backed up what he said he was going to do. So I loved it. Tony, your thoughts on this episode, this, this season finale. I, the whole season is really about the human element of, you know, overachieving and grinding and, and just, you can't really assess someone's inner drive to get something done when it comes down to it. Right. It took all these different people. And maybe that's why the watcher is so driven towards watching the six one six and earth and things of that nature, because the human element is so appealing, right. And unpredictable, you know, and that was Ultron's downfall. I mean, it was it was such a great series the first season. Everything came together perfectly. Like you guys hit every single note already. So I'm I'm just thrilled. And uh, how what do we got? 364 days until next year's hockey tryouts. Let's go. That that was one of the most random movie re- references we've had on the show, considering the connective tissue. Yo, I'm just saying, when's the next season? Let's get it on. Are you going to go line up in a batting cage and start taking baseballs off the chest? <laughs> Got to toughen up. Tap, tap, tap a room. Tap, tap, tap a room. So let's, let's project to season two. So there's already been an interview from the showrunners where they have said that maybe season two isn't going to be the same as season one in sort of this like overarching culmination episode where everything sort of comes back together um do we buy that like do we buy that that's that's going to be the goal and and what's going to happen do you want that would you like would you rather have it be like a continuation and connected to season one or would you rather see something completely different and chop that and go let's see another way of what if well, there's three possibilities, honestly, that, that you could branch off. One, it could be a continuation of what they've been doing so far uh, with with the kind of the story that they ended in, in, in season one. I don't necessarily see that because it does feel like that came to like a conclusion unless they do like a branch with like what happens with the Black Widow scenario, what happens with Peggy Carter or um, yeah, Peggy Carter, like those. Um, I could see them doing a similar season two to season one. That's its own arc within that and i think they could do 
kind of what I talked about, you know, Greg talked about playlists and I, and I've been fairly transparent that probably one of the things that was surprising to me and, and I wasn't sure whether I liked or not was that what if, and what if in the comics was very much like one comic was its own thing. And then the next comic was its own thing. They never connected and they never got brought back together. What if was always just sort of, it'd be a limited run series of about six to nine issues. That would be like, what if, you know, Ray Cash was never a member of the bandwagon. What Whoa. if David Elgar was the host of Bandwagon Nerds? What if PC Tunney actually followed all the articles that I sent him? What <laughs> if Craig DeMarco gave two shits about nerd stuff? Like, like each episode would be its own individual episode and it would wrap up. And the thing that I always thought was really interesting about the comic series was each one of those individual comics eventually just went and and rounded itself to the result that you would see in 616 it was like the how it got there was just different and so those are the three possibilities i guess i i i was pleasantly surprised with the resolution out of season one the writers are saying they're not going to do that for season two marvel has lied to us before frequently in fact feige loves i know dave so what do you think, Dave? What do you think we're going to get out of season two? Well, again, first off, one of those what if possibilities you mentioned about me hosting actually has come to fruition quite a few times. So because Patrick's gone, you know, 50 percent of the time he's gone every time, that sort of thing. No, fucking Patrick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, um, we're not up on our stair quote. I had to drop I, one in. I would think that I mean, what I would ideally like them to do is do a second season exploring different story arcs you know different ideas different there's so much that they can do with with this whole what if what if concept and then see how it goes see what the what the acclaim is like and and hopefully they do something to bring it all together at the end and 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 do a something that connects it because if you don't leave it connected and here's me burying dc you know to patrick's benefit if you don't connect everything then you're pretty much doing what dc does and we're not going to enter interconnect anything we're just going to leave all this standalone shit out there um, that's not what Marvel does. So as far as Marvel lying to us, I would agree with Patrick on that one that says, yeah, there's a significant chance that they are just swerving us on this thing. I really hope that they just explore a lot more of these of these stories that they can get creative with. Um, you know, there's a lot more the watcher can do. He like like, you know, like Patrick was saying, he didn't get involved in Civil War because he's basically if it's cosmic and and more affects more than just the earth there's a chance he'll get involved but civil war was really grounded to the planet um so he just says eh, i don't care about that but i'm hoping that we see more of like we had this year just some different stories um different characters and as the mcu is going to introduce more and more characters as we go along you know shang chi we've seen what that's all about we know more stuff's coming with spider-man no way home give me a what if with venom you know that would be a fun little twist so that's what I'm hoping for season two. All right. Um, Ray, what do you want out of season two? And then we're going to talk about a couple of bits out of this article before we wrap up. Um, what if? I want to see the trial of the Watcher. That was a comics arc where because the Watcher broke his oath, all the other Watchers put him on trial to see if he should stay one of the Watchers. I'd like to see that kind of play itself out in fruition and it could even be, since it's a ten, it's supposed to be a ten episode arc. We can start off the first couple episodes the way we've been doing, but you can see him getting more and more involved because he can't control himself. And finally, he gets pulled. 
And I'd like to see that. I think that could be interesting and could be cool in a way that can still stay true to the premise of the show. But then that happens. And then, of course, Ultron and Killmonger get out and Havoc wreaks. And then you realize, oh, well, we need we we all as watchers can't just sit back and watch. We have too much power or something of that order. But that would be really interesting to me to kind of keep it the same idea, but evolve it to something different. Dave likes your idea. He just wants the whole thing to be a trial, like 10 episodes of the trial. <laughs> no, no, in but fact, I, Dave I, consulted and when they drama. settle out of court, they'll settle out of court at, at about episode 10. Like that'll be how it goes. I do love Ray's idea fact, though, because with the turtles coming out, you're going to have celestials and stuff like that going on, which starts to true. move the needle in that direction. Yeah, the the thing that I think is hilarious um, about if we do the trial of the watcher is it needs to if we do this and they settle out of court, then the last episode needs to go to a black screen that says that the DC um, that Marvel and Owatu have settled out of court and terms of the agreement will not be disclosed. End of episode. See you in season what three. If, Final thought, yeah. Super quick, what if season two is leading up to the trial of the Watcher, which leads into a special what if 90 minute mini movie episode on the trial of the Watcher? Basically like a comic book that's set up very, very nice. It's wrestling, it's sports, it's comics, it's all the same. It's 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 all one thing. So an interview came out. Uh, shortly after this, they shared with you all, it was posted on io9, my my go-to website for most of my nerd news, where they talked uh, a couple of things. They reflected on a couple of things from the show, the first of which was that we actually were supposed to have a 10-episode season, which when you watch episode nine, you're like, of course there was a 10th episode, because we didn't mention this. Gamora, a Gamora is brought in to help bring down Ultron, a Gamora from a reality where she is a partner with Tony Stark and, and the episode just didn't get made due to COVID restrictions. There was an outbreak apparently in the studio and it just didn't get done in time. We have been promised that that ep- either that episode is going to come out or a Gamora centric episode is coming. What did you all, what, what, what do you, do you want to see the episode that we didn't get? Or do you want to see something completely new and unique? Uh, Tony, we'll start with you this time. Or do you care? You just care if it's good. That's usually your your response. I no. I want to. I want to. I want them to give us the episode we didn't get, and I want them to do it exactly how they were going to do it. That's exactly what I want. Perfect, Dave. Um, I'd love to see it. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I mean, you got enough from this to know that there's something with Gamora and Tony that was going on. Um, and they gave you enough, enough context that I don't think it's essential, but would it be cool to see it? Absolutely. Sure. Mr. Cash. I don't want to see it because everybody else wants to. And I I, I know that's just, <laughs> can somebody I know that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm working carrying, on it. But, but can, can you let me explain, please? No. You do, you, do you see how I'm treated on your network? Should we tell him now? It's Greg. Sound, it. It's Greg Soundboard. Actually. All right, all right. Let 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 thought out. Let, let, no, okay, it's not. It's my soundbite. And Ray, you're not gonna. Greg's not gonna be mad at anything that makes him smile when it happens. That was funny at your expense. That's your problem. But I love you. Everybody, 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 go ahead, Ray. Thank you, sir. 
No, no, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. The main up. reason I don't want to see it is because there's too much Tony Stark. We've seen enough Tony Stark in What If. It was like in three episodes. We've seen enough of him. And number two, I don't think it's consequential to anything for us to see it at this point. So if we're I mean, seeing it, it's just strictly... Yeah, but I mean, the, the entire series is fan service. Everything about the series is fan service. Like, you don't have to over fan service, fan service. I think it's cool. Sometimes it's cool to have that missing Easter egg that nobody ever got ever ever got a chance to see that people talk about for years and years and years. Sometimes you don't want to give everybody everything. Sometimes it's cool to take something back to leave something to talk about. So 20 years from now, we'll still be talking about, man, remember that episode of What If They Didn't Put Out? I think that's more interesting to the totality than to see a 30-minute episode that ultimately doesn't lead to anything of necessary consequence. Hashtag release the Gamora cut. That's what I heard right there from Ray. Shout out to Zach Snyder. Uh, so here's the here's the last thing that, that I want to talk about. And this came out of the this was the other thing that came out of the article. So, and somebody made a good point. Uh, this episode, episode nine, was the last time we'll see or hear Chadwick Bozeman as T'Challa. But had he we not lost him, it sounds like there was at least talks of a Ravagers slash Guardians of the Galaxy led uh, series. I'm assuming animated with the T'Challa led Ravagers. That makes me so sad. Like, and I don't I don't even have a lot of comment on this other than that would have been a fun series to to check out and it's just another reminder of what we lost and really what how important Chadwick Boseman really was to the future of Marvel moving forward like the more and more I think about this and the more and more you look at what they talked about and, and hope to have planned for him it, it every it's it's another knife twist and that's too bad so Chadwick is one of the five most Marvel characters ever right so yeah so yeah he's involved in everything Every major, every major group he's a part of, the Ultimates, the Avengers, the Illuminati, all of it. Every major person that's ever, every villain got one storyline, them versus T'Challa. He's so important. So, yeah, man, that's, that is a loss that can't be replicated. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to echo everything Ray says, that uh, T'Challa was going to be a huge part of the MCU moving forward. And... You know, that's one of the big things that we've wondered about since he passed away over a year ago is how are they going to adjust to this? And we know that we've got Wakanda Forever coming out and and I assume they've got something in play. But I I think, you know, there's no doubt that what the MCU does is going to be great, but it's going to be very different from what it would have been otherwise. Yeah, it's it's you can't you can't replace that loss and. You know, I my thing at this point is just wondering, you know, at some point, does that Black Panther character become such a void that they have to do the unthinkable and try and recast T'Challa, which no. seems impossible now, but we don't know how it's going to play out later on. I, I think I think that if there's one thing Marvel has shown us, because you got to think about it, they created multiple voids like. Robert Downey Jr. is is the Marvel Cinematic Universe for twenty some movies. Even when he wasn't in a damn movie, Iron Man was part of was part of that universe. So I don't, I I think that the memory of T'Challa will always be be a shadow there. The Black Panther mantle always gets carried, uh, even when it isn't T'Challa. It, 
I, I just have faith in what Feige has been able to put together. Um, and I have faith in what the MCU has been able to put together. And, you know, we've already got characters like Shang-Chi has made $400 million that just got shared today. Like they, they're going to be fine. That void is going to be filled. New heroes will step in and, and we'll all be happy with it. So right. I'm sure we'll be And Marvel's doing a good job as far as, as, taking steps to fill that void in a way that people are going to accept. You look at Falcon and winter soldier, fill the void left by captain America. You look, they got mm-hmm. iron heart coming out, fill the void mm-hmm. left by, you know, iron man. Cause iron man in the comics at some point is just a suit with an AI consciousness embedded into it. So yeah. um, they're going to do something like that with black Panther as well. So yeah, you're right, Pat, you are. I mean, and you know, at, at some point they get to the point where they really feel like they need to bring T'Challa back. Eh? Let them cross that bridge when they get there. Exactly. All right. Well, that is going to close the book on Marvel's What If. Next week, it'll just be a review of Doom Patrol Episode 6. We are coming up on our first commercial break. But before we do, we do want to say goodbye to the kingpin himself, Mr. Greg DeMarco. You know, I know that we flip-flopped your role on the show, so it was it was a little bit of a different thing. You you hadn't seen the episodes, but thank you so much for coming on and joining us. I know for the, the second time, we really appreciate it. Uh, and showing up for our 100th episode, is it's special to me, and I think uh, it was special to the rest of the group. So thank you. Of course. No, 100%. I'm, I'm glad to have the invite and glad to be here. I will say a um, couple things I want to go back to what you guys were saying. You can never replace T'Challa in the MCU. Like it's just not possible. Chadwick Boseman's performance of the character captured the imagination of so many people. You could never possibly change that. It just, it just wouldn't work. Um, but you can have someone else take up the, this isn't roadie. We're talking about here. We're talking about freaking T'Challa. Like it's just not gonna, not gonna work. Um, but someone else could eventually be black Panther. I mean, the whole first movie was about him becoming black Panther. So someone else could eventually become black Panther, but no one could ever be T'Challa. That would be, just, just the most irresponsible thing that they could do. But what I really want to talk about is just the fact of, of you guys hitting 100 episodes. I tried to find the numbers and I couldn't, but from what I was able to locate, the average podcaster gets to about episode 23 before they just pfft, done, right? And and we've seen shows come and go and and go and come in 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 our in what we do. Um, I've been podcasting for you know. Ten and a half years now with with Patrick O'Dowd and and everybody on here has been doing it for multiple years and has put out episodes in the hundreds um, and and it's so we all know we all have that experience we know the ups and we know the downs to get to a hundred is a milestone that is you know two hundred is going to be cool two fifty is going to be cool five hundred is going to be cool but a hundred when you first hit those triple digits because almost nobody gets into four digits it's that's something special and for what you guys have been able to do. Um, I think maybe we should go back and, and, and we find a bit it, you know, throw episode number one out there and let people listen to it and compare to episode 100, because we did that when we hit 10 years of, of Patrick and I podcasting on the 10 year anniversary, I put out episode number one and it's night and day. I mean, episode number one was terrible. And of course you guys have had cast changes and you guys have had so many changes in, in the content of bandwagon nerds and everything, but what has has remained true is the personalities and the subject matter that you're talking about. The thing that's different about bandwagon nerds for me that's very very important, and you know, I, I 
the only credit I can take is that I said yes when the idea was presented to, to have this show on the network. Everything else is these guys. Uh, maybe one or two little suggestions, but I don't think I've made a suggestion since like episode 10, except maybe stop having certain people on the show. But um, it's when I listen to a wrestling podcast, I mean, I, I, I do wrestling, right? I've been covering it. I've been a fan since I was seven. I've been covering it for 11 years. I put it on. I've been involved. Like it's just it's just different, right? I hear people talk about wrestling. I either want to argue with them, I either want to tell them they're wrong, or I want to share my own opinion on things they're talking about. Bandwagon nerds, I get to kick back and listen and learn in a lot of ways. Like it's not my wheelhouse, right? It's not what I do. And so I get to be I'm a fan of certain wrestling podcasts, like, you know, Pot of War is a great example because of the personalities. Bandwagon nerds, yes, I love the personalities, but I don't know the subject matter. So I can actually listen and learn. And I can actually enjoy it as an onlooker, and I can't hear something and be like, no, no, that's wrong, because I don't know enough to know that's wrong. I don't know enough to be dangerous like like I do in wrestling. And so what you guys do, and I think what a lot of people get, because this is still – it's not a wrestling radio podcast network, but over, over 50% of our content is still wrestling. You're getting people listening who don't have the in-depth knowledge and fandom that you guys have. And that's what makes it special, and that's what makes it good. And so that's why I'm always behind bandwagon nerds 100%. You guys have taken, you know, given an inch, taken a mile, and I think it's wonderful that you've done it. I hope we're here for two, 300, 400, 500, and, and beyond because I, as a fan, get to listen and learn and, and develop so much. So thank you for the effort that's put into this. I know how much effort Patrick puts into it. I know how much effort you guys put into it, keeping up with everything, watching and preparing, and it comes through on on mondays when it's listened to so keep it up thank you guys and congrats on hitting 100 and uh i'll raise an empty water bottle to many more thank you very much great much appreciated i know you've got some places you got to go you're a busy busy man so we're gonna let you go and we're also gonna take a quick commercial break i say quick one minute and 16 seconds everybody when we come back we will welcome our second special guest returning to the bandwagon at least with me on the show as well as him on the show is the scientist dpp that's coming your way when we come back to bandwagon nerds on the chairshot radio network a part of the chairshot.com what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, 
PWX, over-the-top shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. We are back. Craig DeMarco has left the building. But that doesn't mean that the bandwagon has lost anything. In fact, we've more than filled the void left by Greg DeMarco as returning to the bandwagon for the first time since the last time he returned to the bandwagon uh, is the scientist himself, Mr. DPP. Welcome back, sir. I know you graciously filled in in my absence uh, a couple months ago. So how you been, man? What is new with you? Johnny Five is alive, first of all. Love the background, Mr. O'Dowd. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, one of the first movies we reviewed, I think, when we did the movie reviews. It was one of the early ones on the list. I'm doing good. Uh, just living life here, uh, you know. Yes, doing the, palace the things I've always been doing. Slowly. Nice. It's, uh, it's slowly so- continuing to build. Uh, it's collection behind me. So. <laughs> it it looks phenomenal, I, and and I'm still I'm still working on the misses to give me permission to get a PlayStation Five, or at least get on the waiting list to get a PlayStation Five, so that like in three years, hashtag twenty twenty seven, I'll get a PlayStation Five when PlayStation Seven is out. Like, I'll get that used one from GameStop that's missing like a controller and two cables, like that, and and I'll get it for like a dollar, and uh, get a third party like, controller. Yeah. Right. And I'll probably I'll probably get like whatever whatever Far Cry um, game has come out that that I then won't play. Far Cry. It'll be a whole Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor Four. Yeah, Medal of Honor. It's true. It's true. I, I will tell you that is one thing. That, you know, I loved having you on the show because you you were the video game guy. Like like we we've got we had like the DC guys, we had the Marvel guys, and you you were both within those. But then you were also the video game guy, like and you know had a podcast to to run with that and cover that as well. And so it's it's great to have you back, and thank you for you know adapting your schedule, flipping the script a little bit for us to to jump on the show, because you know the kingpin of the Chairshot Radio Network got all like I gotta go be a dad and stuff, and so. You know, had to bump you. Uh, or I understand. You. you know, he takes first pr- first bill. He gets precedence. So you know. Look at it this way, I know. I see. You're getting the hot tag. So there you go, man. You get getting the hot I'm tag, always... and you get to see you get to see this show through to its conclusion. Unlike one, Mister Demarco, and I'm looking. You get to answer Patrick O'Dowd as a question this week instead of Greg Demarco. So yeah, I get and, the better stuff. I get the better half. As you. That's right. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? And I. Sometimes I look at things and I'm like, oh, maybe this was kind of fake. And and here's why I say this is fake, because we're going to go to the trailer park. It's a weird trailer park this year or this time around. Uh, But Dave, go ahead and cue up the music and let's get a little trailer park action going. And then we'll talk about a kind of a hodgepodge of different trailers that were running out there in the Nerdosphere this week.
All right. Thank you. The reason I'm excited to have DPP part of the trailer park, and I don't even know if you got a chance to check these these links out, but we are getting we're, we're starting with a, a new movie based on a popular video game franchise that I'm not going to lie, very excited about because we got a trailer for Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City where I watched a trailer that looked like the goddamn video game. And that excited me. I, I don't know about you guys, but the original Resident Evil was one of my favorite games to play and replay over and over again because it was unlike anything I'd ever played before. It was the first sort of true horror genre video game that I'd ever played. And when those dogs jumped through the window in the hallway the first time, I'll, I I was so startled. I remember running Chris Redman out of the room and being like, the fuck? Because I couldn't believe it. And so to watch this trailer, which had so many nods to the original video game, and I hope it's not a complete fan service thing, I... I was very, very excited from what we saw and to know that this is going to be in theaters. And then I think on Netflix, um, yeah, sign me up because I got to, I like, I, I understand it spawned a big franchise. Didn't really care for the Mila Jovovich, Jovovich uh, franchise. So I'm going to kick it over to Dave, or not to Dave. I'm going to kick it over to DP to start us off because Video games, I feel like i got to start with the video game guy. So did you have a chance to watch the trailer? And what are your thoughts about a sort of what I look, what appears to be a reboot on the Resident Evil movie franchise? Yeah, I was going to say, it seems to be looking like a reboot, which is good. Because um, I was in the same boat there. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the initial movies uh, for Resident Evil there. I just, I didn't like that series. I don't know, just didn't do it for me, I guess. I'm not 100% fan of horror too much, but. You know, I can I can deal with it for the most part you know, if it's if it's done right, you know, um, not just like scare you for the sake of scaring you. You know, if it has a good story and has, you know, it's put together correctly, I, I think it's going to be good. Um, I, I was a half fan of the video game series. I, I played the second <laughs> one. Um, I liked the whole kind of the idea behind it, the isometric view that they first did, you know, there where it was like you kind of got one view of rooms until you moved to the next one. Um, were kind of cool uh, and fighting uh, was it nemesis was the was the villain in that one I think and two and right that was scary as shit man trying to like when you see him and you go running like crazy because it's like oh fuck what do I do uh, was pretty cool uh, and then when they kind of transitioned over to the kind of third person or first person ish third person shooters uh, for the GameCube uh, with four I kind of dug that one I liked uh, was it four or five? I can't remember where they were out in the woods a little bit. Um, that one was pretty good. Um, but not my favorite franchise to play really. Um, cause I'm not the biggest fan of the horror games, but, um, it had some good stuff. Um, and this one, this trailer looks a lot better than the originals, I guess. So I'm really, I kind of hoping for good things from this one, you know, when they do some reboots, I'm always kind of hoping it's going to be better than the originals. So, I thought it looked pretty good. I'm 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 excited for it. Resident Evil 2, I learned the hard way that the first playthrough shit doesn't come back when you do the second playthrough with the other character. And I remember running into Nemesis and having no ammo to fight him because I yeah. couldn't pick anything up. I was like, I got this rocket launcher and I got no fucking rockets. That sucked. 
It's the worst. All right, let's go to the guy who loves horror, uh, or at least watches a lot of horror, Mr. Ray Cash. Yeah, that's right. Get your headset back on. Unmute yourself. Your thoughts on the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City trailer? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the trailer is really damn interesting. The trailer really kind of gets you into it. And it feels very video gamey. That makes sense. The the what Mila Josevich is the other person, right? In the other one? In the original series, yeah. Yes. Which that felt very big budgeted, very movie-esque. This didn't feel that. This felt a little more, I mean, to talk about a a, a series with like zombie villain crazy people, but it feels more grounded if you will. It felt a little more real. So I'm in on the trailer. I'm in on the movies. I didn't really play the video games unless I was at like Dave and Buster's or something and I played the arcade versions. But I'd be in that bitch all day. <laughs> I, 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 I spent money on those arcade games. Um, but Resident Evil, I think we said this maybe five, six, seven weeks ago. Video games are made perfectly for movies. Because it's already got a completely, perfectly perfect star, uh, story arc. You know the characters matter because you're not going to sit there and play hours and hours and hours on end if you don't care about the characters. So, like, I, I, I'm I'm surprised we don't get more video game adaptations to movies. And um, from everything I heard DP say, and alluding from what you said, Patrick, apparently the Resident Evil movies before weren't very good. I don't know. I never watched them. If this can kind of bring that same feeling that I know everybody had about the video games. I mean, that's, that's just money in the bank. Yeah, I agree. I think this is actually a mishmash of one and two, this film, because if you all recall, you don't actually venture into raccoon city at all in the original game. That's all done in one mansion. It's not until the second one where they, where they jump into, um, the the city at large and kind of exploring around so it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be very exciting dave what did you think about the trailer uh well i thought it felt very much like an origin story to me like there was they stripped away all the stuff from the mila jolovich whatever the hell her name is uh series and kind of went back to the roots here and and i liked you you know they even got the rabid dog you get a scene with the rabid dog in there so or zombie dog excuse me um, so to me, I, I'm immediately more interested in this because this is kind of going because, yeah, the Resident Evil movies got so far left field of what the video game series was that it was like it just lost all connection. Like Ray's sitting there saying, why don't we do more video game adaptations? Well, you know, DP and I and Patrick, you can say the same thing. You can count on one hand the number of good movies that were adapted from video games and and maybe not even needing one hand because there's just not many of them but this felt more like like a, a true video game adaptation and um it gave me some hope for it i mean i don't think it's going to match like resident evil 4 which is still my opinion the best resident evil game of all time but it, it's 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 immediately more interesting to me than anything that i saw in the movies previously tony I know horror is like your big thing. You love horror movies. You line up at the theater. Like he buys midnight showings of the latest horror flicks. Out for tickets, man. I heard he's desperate for the uh, the newest uh, Exorcist movie to be made and come out. Like he's been writing letters. He started a change.org petition 
like the whole thing. Your thoughts, <laughs> your thoughts on the trailer for Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City? Um, as I usually do, and 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 very smart of me to do so. I agree with DPP, and <clears throat> not my genre of entertainment, uh, movie wise, and not my genre of video game as well. But y'all sounded fucking brilliant talking about it. You're welcome. Okay, moving on. This weekend, we didn't even talk about this, and I don't know that we really needed to because as the as I saw the news kind of popping out of this and leading into it, um, it just wasn't particularly exciting. This weekend was New York City Comic Con, which I've attended NYCC. It's a fun little con. They want it to be the San Diego Comic Con of the East. The pandemic has really messed with that. However, Saturday seemed to be a pretty big day for Amazon as they released multiple, I don't know if we call them trailers because they weren't really trailers, but they were like scene clips for panels. Like they would have a panel talking about various shows and they'd be like, here's a clip from the show. And there were three that really caught my attention that came out of San Diego Comic-Con that I, that I thought would be, would be worth our time to, to really break down and take a look at. And I kind of did them in the order of interest to me. Um, so I'm going to own that. Like these, these are how I felt about them. But the first one that they did is that there is a series, uh, a television series coming out based on the, I know what you did last summer franchise. And, and we got a clip that apparently I would assume is from the first episode, but yeah, I mean, just you, like watching the scene unfold that they release, you know, released to us of teenagers in a car hitting something seems pretty clear today that if you've seen I Know What You Did Last Summer, that's where we're kicking off. So, gentlemen, uh, I'll start with Ray this time around. Did you watch the clips? Did you see did you see any news out of this? What are your thoughts? Did you even did you even like the original? What do you what do you want to see out of this? Do you even want to see I Know What You Did Last Summer? Well, I literally just watched all three clips just now while you were talking. Y'all were talking. You need about to do your homework. Yes. Hey, hey, I got it in before it was time for to talk about it. So, count. It's like ah, uh, I'm the first one picked up at the bus stop in the morning, so I got a good 25 minutes to get that math assignment done. I'm saying right, like school starts at eight o'clock. It'll be done by 7:59. Um, I love the movie. I know what you did last summer. Again, I'm a big horror buff. That is a genre of mine that I'm very passionate. And I love very dearly. Um, and that came out around the time when like horror changed, they started using the different ideas, like scream came out and I know what you did last summer came out and they all had kind of the same tenets of a slasher horror movie, but they were kind of from a different perspective. I love the idea of, I know what you did last summer because everybody's done something that they want to, that they regret and they hope nobody ever finds out. And it's it's almost like a telltale heart type-esque story, right? But, there's, but you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you think, man, this movie's cool. But if it had about 10 episodes of it, I could really get into it. I feel like, and maybe I'm on my own, maybe I'm on an island, this is one of those ideas that you can kind of build with, right? I mean, how many shows do you see on ABC or Fox or any of these broadcast shows that are essentially the same thing? Someone got killed. We, hell, Scandal and How, you, how to Give Up a Murder had seven, eight, nine seasons based on this shit. So, like, from from a horror standpoint or, an, or a slasher standpoint, I think it'd be cool to see where they go with it. And if you watch that first clip and you, you see them hit 
whatever it is that that, that bump and you feel that kind of like extremely deafening silence yeah you win i'm i'm with it dave what about you um okay <laughs> no i it's just like he clearly disagrees no no, right. no I, I don't disagree at all it's just it's just not it's there's so much coming out that i, I just i took a look at this and say gotta be great if i had time to do that to watch that but there's another clip that we're going to be talking about that i'm definitely going to prioritize over anything else that came out in new york city comic-con um so i would almost defer to that i you know i the movies were good. They were fine. That this looks like it's going to be a fun series, um, you know, a little bit of a modernization on a relatively modern horror flick. So I don't know how well that'll work, but yeah, I mean, if I had forty eight hours in a day, I'd be watching it for sure. But I just don't have that. Horror movie Mars. super fan PC Tunny, what do you think? I think it's not the fault of the people that are trying to come up with content. I think it's the fault of the people that are responsible for collecting money for the content distributed to people that we continue to see old ideas pushed out into new ways once again. And it's just a collective on how there's no creativity. Everybody just follows the dollar. Oh, we can throw something. We're, we're almost getting breeded for familiarity um, from, from the content that we get in, in a lot of these things. So for me, I'm not in love with the idea I thought the movie was excellent. That's something I actually watched, but I don't know. I, I guess it could be well done, but it just feels lazy. Oh, lazy book. Oh, man, this, this is a tough crowd here. DP. I, I would in, in a sense agree with that. You know, in, in movies in general, Hollywood in general, can't come up with new ideas and they just recycle old stuff for sure. Uh, to try and uh, like, I'm not a fan of the series. I know what you did last summer. I never, you know, I'm again, not the horror guy either like PC. So I, I didn't really necessarily watch it. Um, mm. I like the idea, you know, that, that Ray brought up, you know, they can, they can do some more with it if they wanted to turn this into a series, like kind of the way you were talking about it reminded me, uh, has anybody watched the show dead to me on Netflix? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, someone there's a murder or something, and then they kind of try and build because someone knows what happened, and then you have to, you know, at the end of the first, you know, season, you can, you can figure out the murderer or whatever. So they get, you know, it gets presented to you after ten episodes, and then they can move on to another story where somebody else gets killed, and they can keep going with it and expand on the whole story. So it could be, they could do some really good stuff with it if they wanted to. Um, I'm probably not going to watch it because I. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. I, I don't want to know what you did last summer about as much as I don't want to know what you did in the bathroom five minutes ago. So, well, I, you know, <laughs> no. Oh, he checked. So, PC check swing on that one. <laughs> but, TP, here, here, you actually brought up, you actually kind of answered this question that I was going to ask. Is this a series that's, that's sort of finite in what it can do? And, and I always think I think back to the show Pretty Little Liars, um, and, and I didn't watch Pretty Little Liars, but the the concept is very similar. Like when there, shut up, Dave. When there is this like central, when there's like this central like problem, or in this case, you know, this thing that happened. How long can you really keep a show like that going? Like this strikes me as like 
it's either got to be an anthological series where each season is a different murder, kind of the way that DP described, mm-hmm. or it's it's ridiculously protracted over as many seasons as they could get for downloads, or it's a one and done. It, Tony, you drop the mic. What do you think? It's going to be more like an American Horror Story thing where you get a different volume each time, I, I think. you know, and, and, and it's like I'm not saying it, it's it's a smart thing for the people that are releasing the content and, and making the decisions to do because it's a proven concept. And if they have people that are qualified and capable to transfer that story across different genres and storylines and things of that nature, you know you're going to make money. It's low risk for whatever studio or, or station is putting this out, right? Because it's something you – it's familiar. You're not only grabbing the horror. You're not only grabbing the age set of the people who were – you know, prominent moviegoers at the time. And you're not only grabbing suspense, you're grabbing the concept that's been proven. So it's not, it's not stupid. It's just lazy in my opinion. Ray thoughts. Um, it would be cool to kind of see, see it become an anthology. Um, but I was, I'm kind of thinking of it kind of like in the vein of dead to me or how to get, how to get away with murder is a show that I was really into it. And the entire show, all four seasons, revolved around the death at the beginning of the season. But that death led to a major death every season that you don't figure out who it was or what happened until the end of the season. But it all revolved around that one original death. And I think something like that can, if it's what, and I mean, Shonda Rhimes is a genius at doing shit like that. But I I think if you can kind of interweave or wove or whatever the spiders do, I, you Hey, it could be something interesting, um, you know. But yeah, it is lazy. LOL, Charlotte wins, but you know, content, content is king, right? You, you know who coined that phrase, right? Who did? Who coined it? Was it you? That was me. Um, you, and by the way, while we're t- congratulations on that. While 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 we're at it, we're talking about lazy. There's a, there's a thing. While we're talking about lazy, Tiger King two comes out November seventeenth. I'm not going to ask to talk about it. I'm just saying. Shh, quiet. No, no. If there was ever a show that didn't need anything extra, uh, stop. Uh, I'm just showing uh, uh, save us. Uh, save it. Don't make uh, me boo you again. Don't make me boo you again. I get, Do boo- it. I get booed when I say good shit. So whatever. I, there you go. <laughs> Oh wait! Don't make the live studio audience boo you again. Not me. I don't. I don't boo you. It's yeah. the studio audience that boos you. I, I like the concept of them exploring, like what you talked about, Patrick. Or you know, everybody. There's always a situation where somebody has done something they regret and they don't own up to it and the consequences of that. You could probably stretch this out and, and explore that in a little bit more detail. Uh, I, I think that that has some legs to it and actually would be something different than being lazy you know that'd be a little bit creative but beyond that yeah i don't see unless it's anthological where they really go with this that's fair i think we've said about all we need to say about i know what you did last summer the second trailer and actually this one wasn't a trailer this was an opening sequence is something that i'm very very excited about because i play dungeons and dragons and this show is kind of the little show that could if 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 i can say it that way it's for it was a, it was the opening credits for uh, an animated series called critical role now for those of you who don't know critical role started out as like a podcast of this D gaming group 
like trying to turn their their campaign into a show and then it became a show and here we are with now an animated series based on this D&D game and it's done in a style that is is very anime the the animation itself looks very smooth and pretty and very clean and I don't know like I get that you know there's not a lot of gamers in this group in the sense of like tabletop D&D gamers I'm all for this. I'm really excited for this. This is a show that I'm going to make some time for. And, you know, I don't care if the rest of the panel goes around here and just like, oh, yeah, that looks kind of nice. I'm never going to watch it. I'm going to watch the shit out of this show and I'm going to push it probably not as hard as I push Ted Lasso, which, by the way, thank you, PC Tony, for finally watching Ted Lasso. Uh, and, and, you know, someday Dave and Ray will watch it, too. Um, TP, have you seen Ted Lasso? Did you watch? It? Yes. Thank you. Just finished you finish? the second season there two, uh, just two. two nights ago. We're going to kick Ray and Dave off of an episode of Bandwagon Nerds. We'll get you, me, and Tony, and we're just going to spend two hours talking about season one and two of Ted Lasso unless these guys make the time to watch the show because it was fucking – I love the show so much. I'd like to play the role of Led Tasso on that show. Led Tasso. <laughs> Gosh darn it! Okay. Good stuff, good stuff. You guys got to check it out, Ray, Dave. You you really do. But that's neither here nor there. Critical Role. I I think this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It it looks like some harmless bit of animation. Uh, and for D and D gamers like myself, like it just speaks to my soul. Actually, probably more so than the last trailer we're going to talk about that came out of New York City Comic Con. Who wants to tell me how much they don't care about this show first? I'll I'll take a show of hands. Tony, go first. You win. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Your screen what I, is blocking out. What I love, what I love you, Pat. It's K. It's a K. Yeah. All right. Hey, me Dude. and Big Kev, we were in the back listening to you talk about this trailer. We just had to come out here and say, we don't care. Thanks, DP. Well done. I, uh, Dave, can you tell me how much you don't care either? I didn't realize <laughs> what the what the premise of the show was until you just explained it to me. But because it's based on Dungeons & Dragons, that increased my interest. So it's like, oh, okay. It's based on D and D critical critical role. That makes sense. It all makes right. sense now. So not K. It's O K. Damn, just silence. I hate y'all so much. Wow. I cannot stand <laughs> the y'all. Ire, the ire that came through that. Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take this shit for another hundred episodes. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. This is Vicky Guerrero-esque booing. You want the job back, DP? (laughs) I might have to. You're running right out of town here, it sounds like. He's working his way to X-Pac heat. That's that's what's going on here right now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys know, you bastards? All right, fine. Let's Listen, go to the if you la- want to talk anime, you should have had the Balaz on this fucking show then. We we the did. Blah. We did talk blah. animation. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get to the last trailer, which I know I'm going to let Dave talk about first because I'm assuming this is the one that you're talking about before we all go nutso over the final the final trailer, which didn't come out in New York Comic Con. So we got a clip, uh, a very brief clip of Amazon's upcoming Wheel of Time series. And for those of you who who don't know we, the wheel of time is one massive fantasy series of books 
written by Robert Jordan, finished by his son, I do believe, after Robert Jordan passed away, or someone from his estate, a family, or some other ghostwriter who had to finish it, because it's like 15 or 16, like, massive novels. Like, they're huge. And it's this fantasy epic, kind of in the sense, like, kind of the same thing, like, in Doom. Like, and you've heard me talk about how excited I am about the Dune movie. Shit from, like, book 14, 15, 16 gets resolved that was originally started in book one. Like that's kind of the scope and nature of this thing. And it's, it's looking to fill a void left by game of Thrones. I hope that there, I, I hope that with a finished product, unlike game of Thrones, they'll be able to put a product together that will be more complete and feel more earned. But the, I mean, this clip showed you nothing. It was an introduction of a character and an in Dave, Talk to me about, well, we'll start with you. Talk to us about why you're excited for a Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime. I've, uh, I haven't have read enough of it to really formulate an opinion, but my nephew sure has. And he is so excited about this series because he's read all the books. Um, he was even like, I, I sent him the clip. He says, yeah, I saw it. And he goes, I'm very interested because they've changed quite a few things in that clip from the book. And that's right off the bat. The clip to me felt very much like the first Lord of the Rings fellowship of the ring, where they go to the inn and Bree and they had that interaction with everybody in there. And it really felt it had that Lord of the Rings esque feeling to me. So I'm immediately into it. I, I I've heard nothing but very good things about the book. Um, and and I, I'm excited to see what Amazon prime is going to do with this thing and whether they can, give it justice it is interesting the timing of it because i know there's a you mentioned game of thrones we did get a a, a trailer to the prequel at least a teaser for the game of thrones what is it, house of the dragon is that what it's called um yeah i i, I wish i could say i cared about this this show like <laughs> the last season just ruined it for you no it's just not the like of the game of thrones spinoffs that could be made that's not the game of thrones spinoffs that i want i want to follow Arya stark and where she went that's what I want to see. I don't care about the Targaryens. Yeah. I don't. Give me Arya Stark all day. Patrick O'Dowd's question is, I want to know what's west of Westeros. Right. That makes sense. There you go. It's but, not, between, but between this show and they know they're bringing a Lord of the Rings based show to Amazon Prime, what, next year? I think something like that. So, yeah, Amazon Prime is definitely going to be very fantasy focused in 2022. Um, but I, I'm I'm very intrigued in this. This is a show like you're saying you're going to make uh, room in your schedule for Critical Role. This is one I would definitely make room in my schedule for because I'm genuinely curious to see what this show is about, what the series is about, and, and just what they're going to introduce from a, a series that by a lot of people's accounts is right up there with Lord of the Rings as far as like fantasy-based fiction and, and, and renown and, and acclaim for it, fan acclaim for it. So yeah. I, I was very curious and very intrigued by this little bit that we got from it. Tony, do you care? It seems like an interesting concept. It's something that's kind of new to me along the same lines of a lot of other things. But uh, I, I did watch what you sent to us. I did all of my homework this week. And uh, I think I'll actually give it a try as long as you guys can remind me. Uh, when we get going here, because man, there's so much stuff going out, and we've talked about that. So it's true. We're uh, I'll send content. you a reminder, Tony. I appreciate it, Bestie. 
Ray Cash, we know how much you love fantasy. You love fantasy shows as much as PC Tunney and DPP love horror movies. Spot on. Spot on. I think by the way, by the way, I to ask, how's Flash Gordon? Did you enjoy hey, it? Hey, man. I've, I've watched it five times. Five times, huh? Five. Booker T style. Five times, five times, five times. There's a Fern Gully um, cameo in Wheel of Time, Ray. Just... Oh, I'm in, baby. I'm in. <laughs> um, all jokes aside. Everything you've explained to me, me and David talked about this at nauseum. I'm in for the show. I am interested in what is coming. But as far as the clip that was sent to me, big ass came. I could have got, I wish I had my two, my two minutes of my life back. Literally nothing happened. Like, what was the point? Like episode one of Star Wars. What just happened there? And me? What me? Probably me. It's hey, probably at least I didn't get booed, right? I thought for sure Tony was gonna play that K clip. That's what I was waiting for. Right, that's that's play. what it was. I, I don't know what happened there. I'm I'm really sorry about that. Um, I, I can't. Joe Bonamassa, hail. See, I guess got ads popping up all over the place. What in the world is going on in the world today? I don't even have my internet browser up. That just was crazy. Happy 100th episode, everyone. That's the title of the episode. Who's Joe Bonamosa? No. DPP, get get us out of here. Save us. Tell us how you're not going to watch Wheel of Time. I'm actually going to watch Wheel of Time. uh, Really? What I watched in the trailer, I had the same thought of Dave there uh, with the Lord of the Rings. The first thing that came to my mind was Lord of the Rings there with that uh, whole bit where they're you know where they're in that in the inn uh, talking it just gave me that lord of the rings vibe um you know i watched the witcher i love that you know i, I like these movies you know if they're done you know done correctly even a kind of his dark materials you know sense too like that it's just that fantasy stuff is is, is fun i like watching them um somehow i i did not watch game of thrones but i think that's because i didn't have hbo at the time and i didn't want to start watching five seasons in and i figured i'd go back and watch it um but haven't yet so I'm I'm a big fan of these. I like watching them. They can be if they're done right. They're interesting. They're fun. You know, a fun fantasy. You know, get out of your head shit. Um, so I'm in. I'm gonna watch it. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Glad I'm just. I just don't understand how you can't be entertained by this, Ray. Today. An obscure body in the SKs. Here, let's skip ahead. I'm just gonna play Flash Gordon shit for you now. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do it anymore. Oh, that's what that was? You know, of course, I recognize that because I watched it. Absolutely, time. right? You totally understood exactly what was playing there. Just like you remember you remember stuff like this. Like, Shout out to Ming and the Tongue and Death Grip. Ming and the Tongue. I mean, come on. How can you not get excited by by this music? It's oh, a bass. Music Savior of the universe. Nothing. It hurts I've, me. It hurts I've me. seen both Ted movies. Does that count for watching Flash Gordon? No, it, it absolutely does not. It kind of does, a little bit. It does not. Thank you, Dave. It does not count. count. She knows who Sam Jones is, Pat. I mean, come on. You got to give him some credit. And he, parts, and he parts his hair in the middle. So come on. There is that 100 episodes, 100 Patrick O'Dowd fuck-ups on the recording. And here we go with the last trailer. And, and Amazon, I think, has been brilliant. 
in getting people psyched for the boys because they've been really unique in their marketing with these YouTube videos, these three minute long seven, it's it's like the Vought News Network, um, seven by something. Seven on seven. Things. What is it? Seven on seven? Is that what it is? Yeah. Seven um, news items in seven minutes. It's Fox News. Seven, Fox News. Yeah, but that, that's what it is. It's it's not just Fox News. It's Tucker Carlson slash Sean Hannity all wrapped into one doing these news bits. And it's this really clever way, in my opinion, of setting up the next season, season three of The Boys, which is I think is is on tap for next year. It's another one of those like, God, we got to wait till like March of next year to catch. But in terms of a marketing strategy, it's a, it's a trailer, but it's not. And I think that's really, really br- brilliant. And I think the first person I'm going to have comment on it is the guy who shared the latest iteration, the October one. I'd seen some previous ones, uh, but this was the October one. It was the newest one that's come out. And I hope they keep doing this monthly. But Ray Cash, you shared the latest one. Talk to us about why you shared it and just what you saw and what got you excited for this little marketing ploy. Well, of all the shows that, as far as I've been a part of the show that I've cared about the most, the boys is easily top two, top three. It is just a fun, fantastic debauchery of a show. And I'm very much looking forward to season three, but exactly what you said, like I'm all for different stuff, right? So yeah, a trailer would be really cool, but this is better than the trailer because now you have an idea of the stories that are mattering or they care about, right? You know, uh, we've had three of these, I think. We just now in this third one talked about the chick from the the person from the uh the who came out of the, the prison. No, came out of the prison who got who got away. Hitchhiker. Oh. The hitchhiker, hitchhiker. right? Yeah. So th- there's so many in it, you know, there's so many, it's just it's setting up a perfect way for you to know what's gonna happen and know what's gonna happen in a way that doesn't give anything away it's almost and it's also a a big uh talking point Um, no different no different or very similar to the commercials in wandavision you knew it meant something but we don't know what yet but it made us talk about it right so that's really really cool to me and it lets me know i think the most important thing is vought controls everything like you know like they had vought ebay and (laughs) you know vought bought vbay right VBay, like what? Is you know, Vought book, not Facebook. Like everything is Vought. And I think that's really cool, but it also gives you a scope of the show because it helps you understand why every superhero in the world is contracted to Vought. You don't think about that type of stuff until they talk about it, but this show or this trailer makes you realize the scope of the show and what's happening. And we know there's going to be some reckoning coming when Homelander comes back and goes, loses the shit. Soldier Boy's coming. All of this is happening, right? But this kind of sets that palette for you. It's almost like an appetizer saying, hey, the main, the main entree is coming and it's going to be fire. But enjoy this until it comes out. And I, I love it. It gives you something to watch and enjoy uh, and kind of ingest before the show is brought back. DP, what did you think? I know you watched The Boys too, right? You you were part of those. Love the boys. Uh, You know, this is, and I think Ray hit it on the head. This is perfect way as opposed to watching a trailer. Like this is great in a sense to 
keep the stories going and make you start thinking about here's what we're here's our top stories here's what we're going into the next season you know here's all the hits that we're going to be talking about it gets every you know and if they keep kind of doing these in segments like it keeps you peaks your keeps your interest in the in in the show rather than just oh here's one trailer two minutes long okay have fun uh you know you know kind of what's going on where they're moving towards with everything how stormfront is starting to you know people are rallying behind her a little bit to it that whole thing put together and it i i don't know we don't know what's exactly going to happen right but it seems like a shift to more story driven stuff where like you watch the trailer for season two and it was just this giant disaster of them taking the boat and smashing it straight through the whale. Like you just knew, okay, season two is just going to be even more bloodier than the first season. This one looks like, okay, they might be doing more story stuff, more building this empire, a lot, maybe more political type of stuff. I don't know, but it seems like in a sense, a little bit of a shift in what they did in seasons one and two, where it was just, how can we up the ante of gore <laughs> in what we do, you know? So I'm really By excited way, for it. I love this. I nearly died. My kid was like, what's wrong with you? The little O'Dowd. When the deep is pushing um, the water, which that's a real product, by the way. That is a real product. When I went and saw Alanis Morissette a, f- a month or so ago, that was the brand of water they were selling at the venue. I can't even remember what the name of it was. It was like Mountain Devil Waters. Yeah, that's a real product. Like the, the can he was holding up was a real thing. But him like having them all gather plastic on the beach and then setting fire to it and like everybody breathing. Like He's like, we're cleaning up the beach and yet like killing the air. And then the story about the baby dolphin and talking to replace the dolphin he fucking killed in season one. I ate that for breakfast. That was all, it was outstanding work on their part. Tunny, what did you think of the news report um, and this marketing strategy that Amazon's taken on with the boys? I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be coming to us a little bit earlier uh, than where we're actually going to get it, because I don't think you're going to get it till the end of spring. I, they haven't set a date, right? They just said 2022. Yeah, I don't know yeah, that we've seen it yet. I, why not just plan bi-monthly updates until then? You can, you, you know, I mean, if you weren't excited, you've ought to be excited now. Uh, can you boo yourself? You boo yourself. DP, I know you've been gone for a while, but this is kind of this new dynamic we've created on the on the show where the studio and audience just like you even just you just say like, like watch this. Say Ray Cash real quick. Ray Cash. Real quick. Real quick. They thought that was funny too. Wow, the crowd just does not like it. It's almost as if you have to click different crowd reactions or something um, to get them to laugh at puns. Look at it, look he's he's pouting. Last week, I think I got him to get up out of his chair and walk. I'm away real close. I'm real close. Oh, come on, Ray! You know if he you. grabs his pillow, you're in trouble. There that's, you only go. My, that's only when my two dads are fighting. <laughs> um, Dave, did you get a comment on this at all? I don't. Did we leave you out? Could you talk too much? Yeah, you left oh. me out. Of course, that's all right. Uh, 
I've been drinking. I'm sorry. That's, what? No, that, 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 that's that's why it's such good content because you need to drink more. Um, I maybe yeah, drunk them home. Yeah. Every time that I watch these vignettes, and that's really what they are, it it, it makes me want to take a shower right after I watch it because I just feel grimy from the the this spin on this thing. But yeah, the things that stood out on this one is okay. So. We thought Stormfront was probably alive. We got confirmation of that. She's alive. And not only is she alive, there's now our undercurrent of sympathy for this piece of shit out there who has now got people. We want to know her whereabouts and, and they're not divulging that. And we demand action, which, you know, this the boys has always been. And as it was going on, it was echoing what was actually happening, happening in our real society. And we commented on that on that show. And now these vignettes continue that narrative. Um, I also I didn't realize that I don't know if we talked about it before. So we know that Huey is now Victoria's right hand man. And I think I'm not sure that that was that certainly wasn't disclosed at the end of season two. Now we know that that's what's going on. And this Vought News Network is all up in arms about, you know, how she Huey Huey is uh, Victoria's lapdog, essentially, and just, you know, outing soups and, and calling them out on their bullshit everywhere you can go. So. I found that part fascinating, but yeah, the deep is um, <laughs> still the odd man out on this whole thing. Store, uh, um, Starlight has gone back to her old outfit. That was very interesting as well. So yeah, while it's, it is brilliant marketing, I absolutely agree with you 1000%. It's brilliant, brilliant marketing, but there's a lot of information to be gleaned from these little vignettes that you can, you can parse out and say, okay, that's cool. I didn't realize that. We still haven't gotten any updates on Billy on the butcher yet as to anything going on with him or on Kimiko and um, the guy that she was with. I forget his name. So you figure they're going to integrate that at some point in time. But yeah, it's it's fantastic marketing and just a way to really amp up your anticipation for season three. Exactly. I'm very, very excited for for this. It's a show. um Ranks right up there in terms of like some of the comic book shows that we're catching. Ranks right up there with the Invincible on the Amazon and the Amazon family of just great, great comic book content. And this is why I think I have a lot of faith in them in the Wheel of Time series, by the way, because it seems like Amazon gives the 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 showrunners a lot of freedom to really build a show that's that's going to both be unique and true to its source material. Because the boys in particular has done a very has been very adept in taking because the boys is an older it isn't old like isn't like it's not like super old but like it's it's updating the content to our times and making it relevant to the world around us and what's going on in the country around us and i think that's been one of the strengths of the show and and in these vignettes it's it's bringing that through as well okay we're going to head into our second commercial break. And when we come back, it's going to be our Dave and I's interview with Omar Spahi, content creator, one of the up and comers, and, and maybe even a guy who's already arrived. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things in this interview, everything from his experience and growth to projects he's worked on, to projects he's working on in the future, to the roles of fans and how they've influenced content, just a lot of really, really great stuff. So, um, that interview is coming next when we come back from our commercial break. Now, before we go to our recorded commercials, it is my duty. Gentlemen, I'm going to share this announcement every day, every show until I actually um, can bring it to fruition to the show. I bought the Bandwagon Nerds shirt. 
the official bandwagon nerd shirt. And you know where I got that shirt? Dave, do you know where I got that shirt? Hot Topic? No, I didn't get it at Hot okay. Topic. Ray, do you know where I got that shirt? Walmart. Walmart? No, I did not get it at Walmart. Tony, what about you? Where did I get that shirt? Hot Topic? I can't hear. No, Hot Topic. I, I just said no to Hot Topic, but okay. Oh, oh, oh how about, uh, um, did you get it at Farm and Fleet? I took Farm and Fleet. Now, that is some Midwest shit right there. Well done. DP, well, I, where, I, where do you think I got the shirt? Because I didn't get it at Farm and Fleet. I didn't get it at Hot Topic. I didn't get it at Walmart. Well, I haven't seen it out there, so it might have been The Gap, because I never go to The Gap. Hey. Oh, God, maybe Baby Gap. Baby but Gap, no, yeah. I did not get it at The Gap. I got it I just, at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot, which is the only. It is, and it's the only place that you can go to to get exclusive ChairShot.com shirts. We have tons of shirts to choose from over there at the ChairShot.com um, store on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the ChairShot. Everything from the OG ChairShot logo to shows like Bandwagon Nerds, that's where I got mine, to a winner is you. I think that's still up there. There might even be a Platt Balazs presidential shirt still available at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Tony's saying no, big X. Hashtag journalism is definitely there, though, as is everyone hates Greg. We work really hard to put out quality content for you every single day. This show's dropping on a holiday, people. And yeah, it's our 100th episode, but it's dropping on Indigenous Peoples Day, y'all. And we do that for you. We drop a show every day of the week because we love you, our listeners, and we want to give you quality content. And the best way you can help us give you that quality content is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a shirt. They cost $19.99 for your standard style. Or if you want to feel something soft and fancy on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style again. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot as one, Mr. Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you, thank you, and please. When we come back, Dave and I's interview with content creator Omar Spahi, you are listening to Cha- uh, to the Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the break. It is time for the main event of episode number 100 of the Bandwagon Nerds podcast We have on episode 100 a very, very, very special guest. We are thrilled to have him here for the 100th episode of the show. Omar Spahi, who is a content creator, comics writer, podcaster, upstanding citizen. You name it, he's done it all, folks. Omar, how are you doing here today? I'm super excited. Uh, Congratulations to you guys for making it to 100 episodes. That's insane. You guys, I'm I'm honored to be here, and I'm excited for you guys. Uh, That's quite the journey. I think Patrick would have lost some money on, on this 100 episode bet. <laughs> I, I did not think we were going to make it. I, w- I was not sure. That the, and if you ever go back and listen to our archives, um, it's it's touch and go. Early, <laughs> early, it was really touch and go. But I think we did a great job finding 
just kind of finding our niche and what we wanted to do. And yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited, Omar. As I was just looking through uh, your career so far, uh, and, and following along with your podcast and seeing just who you've had the opportunity to interview, I couldn't be happier to have you uh, on this show. That is, I'm thrilled. Thanks. It's uh, a feeling to be truly excited to be here and excited to uh, talk comics, movies, everything in between. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, we have to start everything. I mean, every good story has an origin story. So I think we should just start off there with you, Omar. How did you get into comics and 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 just this industry that that you have, you know, prospered in comics and, and all the content you've created? But you obviously started with a love of comics somewhere. So how did that take hold? So, you know, it goes back to the going back to the way beginning, I would my mom would uh, would go to Barnes and Nobles and pick up books. I don't even think it was Barnes and Nobles. I forget what the name of the store was. It was uh, Borders. Borders was uh, uh, just aging me a little bit. Borders. uh, And I wanted to get a comic book there one time. And my mom said no. And so the store clerk was like, the kid's reading. You should buy it for him. And she goes, "Okay." And as a kid, I picked up one issue of The Flash, and I reread that cover to cover probably 20 times. And as a kid, you have to wait 30 days for the next comic to come out. So I went back to Borders, and 30 days as a kid it feels like forever. So you get there and finally get the next issue, and it's, you know, 167, 168. And, you know, I wait another month, get the third issue, and, and I, all of a sudden during this process, I start to really get into it, pick up other series, pick up, you know, Green Lantern, pick up Batman, and from there, I started learning about comic book stores, and that's where I got uh, introduced to Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica. Feeling, so, a, uh, feeling a DC vibe here, Patrick. I, I know that's going <laughs> to thrill you. It was so funny because I was listening to the the Frank Gogol episode that you just put out on your podcast, Omar, uh, and he was talking about Marvel and Spider Man, uh, and it's kind of like DC and Marvel and how they have like license to just sort of like know that the content they put out are, is what people are going to purchase. I was a Spider-Man kid and I, uh, I am, was one of those consumers for a really long time. And if it had Spider-Man on the cover in any way, shape or form and name, I was going to pick it up. And I tell this story all the time, Dave, do you remember what the very first comic that my grandmother bought me at a grocery store back in 1984 Yes, was. she wisely decided to get you Craven's Last Hunt as your very first <laughs> introduction That's to the industry. Yeah. The the final the final issue where Craven finishes himself off, no less, and, and that was that was the first comic book I, I remember per, like that was purchased for me, and it's, it's, it was crazy because I parents and I think you could speak to this. They were very much like this is kid stuff, and that that book by itself opened my my eyes up to a world of not only is this something that can be exciting and fun but that it can also tell heavy stories too and that that was that was the beginning so but yeah i was i was i'm a marvel guy all the way um i, I catch a lot of guys too i mean if anything the movies and everything have made me love Marvel so much more. And I, growing up, I still read Craven's Last Thought. I still read the, the you know, fast <laughs> works for Stanley. You know, I had the honor of, of having lunch with Stanley one on one. So that was that was really cool. I'm so I'm so jealous of that. I'm jealous. That's that's amazing. That's outstanding. I, um, I was 20, 22, 23 years old and we had the same attorney. So he set up the lunch. He was there with us. 
So it wasn't one on one. We had him, Gil, my attorney, and me. And Stan's going on and on about all the projects he has post Marvel and everything. You know, Stan leaves Magnificent Seven and this and that. And I have all my comic books I'm working on. And he goes, Hey, what are we working on together? And I was a 22 year old kid and I was like, I don't know. I'll think about it. Let's figure it out. And nothing came of it. Um, but it was like, you know, something that I get to live with and cherish forever. You know, for me, he's a big reason I do what I do is because of what Stan did and, and uh, the journey he's taken. And, you know, even we had lunch, probably he was 91, 92. And in his in his later years, we're out at the restaurant. And I remember I go to uh, go to order and I'm, you know, a young kid, just barely 21. I was like, I'm, I'm having lunch with nine year olds. I'll have a Coke. Scribe, uh, Stanley goes, I'll have a screwdriver. He'll have a screwdriver. He'll have a screwdriver. <laughs> and at 90, 91, Stan still have this, has this zest for life that just reminded me to always be yourself and and you know, don't apologize. Even at 91, he, he showed his personality just with a drink order. So you, you mentioned writing, how, what made you, what, what prompted you to take that plunge and take that, that risk to really put yourself out there and get started as a writer? Cause you, you have a profile on image comics, like uh, look, <laughs> look you up, there you are. I, I can see, you know, getting it together is right here in front of me and fly like your whole your whole podcast a lot of what i read is you know talking to other artists about the process of building a comic right you know writing what what was your process how did you what what prompted you to take the plunge and how did how did you how did that work for you you know i was i didn't even know people made comic books i was so naive i just loved comic books and i was like they just appear magically um <laughs> And so it was, I was at the counter in, in uh, Marina del Rey and they had uh, a friend of mine who was there, who was a waiter there. He started talking to me about this creator and that creator and this creator. And I was like, wait, you, you care about the creators? Wait, people make these? And from then on, I was like, oh, I can make something too. And from that point on, it was just this fire that started like in my soul. And I just that home went home that night and wrote a full 22 page script. I outlined it. And I just, you know, carved it out and, you know, I, I've been doing it ever since. That's great. I mean, that, that's an amazing story as to how it all comes together. Uh, you've got a lot of things going on all the time. It, it seems uh, looking at your profile and looking at Twitter and your social media, but what do you have going on currently? Like what's, what's in the hopper for Omar Spahi? Uh, what, what can we expect down the pike? Not to give away every, anything super secretive, but just kind of curious what, we can expect from you in the upcoming weeks, months. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, jumping on a plane to France uh, after tomorrow. Um, and all of a sudden we're going to be going uh, to, to MIPCOM, which is one of the biggest uh, animation and film festivals in the world uh, to sell animated content. So we, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be uh, on code eight, which was the number one movie on Netflix. And we're going to MIPCOM in order to start to understand how, you know, I think we all have dreams of making shows and making movies, but this is really the marketplace where things come together is MIPCOM and kids screen in the kids space. Those are the the main two and Annecy's up there as well. Um, but there's just very few places you can go to get something made. I've always for the past, like, you know, I don't want to say 20 years, but it's pretty close to 20 years. It's been 13, 14 years that I've been at New York comic con. And this is the first year that I'm not going to New York Comic Con. I'm going to MIPCOM instead because it's my career path and my trajectory. I want to change from being just the comic book guy to really focus on animation. 
and that's that's the journey. And uh, I'm really excited because it's been quite a bit so far. Now, now you mentioned Code Eight, which you were the executive producer. Uh, at least that's the credit I see next to your name, which sounds like the guy who does everything. <laughs> um, and, and had the had the privilege to work with not one but two MLs. Both Robbie and Steven are are, are stars in that. Um, but based on what you said there, do, are you saying that there's going to be something coming from Code Eight that you're going to be turning into, or that you're looking to turn into a series? Or am I reading too much into that? So Code Eight, the sequel's already been announced. They're filming it. Uh, Right now, um, just in about a month or so, they're going to get started on that. Um, they're they're heavy in, in prep right now. And then for um, my goal is to really, you know, I just had a daughter recently uh, during the pandemic. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, my goal is to make kids content. I love kids content all the way from pre-K all the way to 6 to 11. That's really where I think my calling is. And and uh, so I'm transitioning from just because I love the creative process. I love making comic books. It's like if I could just do that every day, I would do that. And I love the process of making animation and making shows and talking about little details and, and figuring stuff out where other people, it drives them crazy. For me, it ignites this fire. And and I, I love to talk about what hair it is and why the hair should be pink instead of red or, or whatever the little details are. You know, to me, that that gets me excited and really gives me a lot of passion about what I do. You talk about animation, so I wanted to ask you, uh, animation seems to be really kind of carving out a much larger footprint lately than it has been in the past. You look at series like What If, um, DC's animation has been phenomenal for over a decade now, um, and you're heavily involved with that. How do you see the industry evolving as far as animation is concerned and where it can it can create maybe even a larger audience or reach a larger audience? I mean, I, I'm I'm astounded with how much animation I watch as an adult, and I know so many people around me who watch animation, and there's just such great content, and people want good stories regardless of if it's animated or not. Kids, more on the other hand, only want animated content for the most part. Like they, there's a lot of like you know kids shows that at a certain age they go, listen, if it's not a cartoon, I'm not watching it. Um, but for me, like it's it's been. It's been a journey to figure out how to create animation because it can be rather expensive. It can be rather uh, laborsome. You have so many details, so many moving parts. Um, and, you know, it's just about assembling that team and figuring out, hey, who's who's writing this one? Who's Am I writing this one? Is someone else writing this one? What's the greater concept? Okay, who's who's the production team? Who's, where are we recording the audio? Um, you know, let's go through the looks. Who are our partners? Making sure, because most, most stuff doesn't come out of a vacuum. It's not one person's vision going, hey, listen, we're going to do this show. Let's go. It's usually a lot of different countries coming in and doing co-productions and, and you know, going, hey, listen, we're, we have to make sure that we hit this note and that note, because in our culture, that's really important. Um, so it's about being collaborative, being open and making sure to, you know, pick your battles very carefully and know which ones you're willing to uh, to put your foot down and other ones you have to, you know, say, hey, listen, you you guys are right. Let's do it your way. Yeah, I, uh, I I sit there. You're talking. You were talking about content for your daughter, and I'm thinking about my son. He's nine years old. Uh, and by the way, big Flash fan. Uh, and, and so I don't know where I don't know where it went wrong there, but uh, <laughs> he went right. Yeah. That's good. So Flash is, is one of my all-time favorites. He he yeah, and I think that that's just a character that it, it does speak to people on a lot of levels. Um, one of our other hosts on the show, um, uh, PC Tunney, he he talks about how it's like this beautiful embodiment of love and that he's he's just terrific um but you you talked about sort of building 
a series and you know all these different angles what you've worked on big 10 before as a writer or ben 10 not big 10 ben 10 before uh, previously as a writer you worked on sonic prime um when when trying to like pull that content how 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 does that creative process work to find like that that message is going to resonate with with children um like where where does that well come from you know i, I think number one it's you know for both those shows we were, there were writer's rooms and we talked about it and and that it's through this collaborative process we've worked with the amazing people at man of action and, and they're amazing at what they do and so from there it's that collaborative process of going hey how about this how about that and usually you know man of action has done this over like a million times at this point. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but probably not by much. <laughs> and so they go, great, this is what this episode is. Let's go and do it. And they kind of go and they say, hey, this is what it is. You do, uh, you know, there's a process to writing. So usually it's can be anywhere from idea to outline or beat sheet um, to, you know, after an outline, you do first draft, uh, second draft, polish and, and revisions along the way. So it's, it's a it's a big process to go step by step for for everything and you know you just have to go okay this is i'm playing with someone else's toys so to speak if it's ben 10 or or, or whatnot and you have to be really respectful and say hey listen there's lines that you might have really fun ideas but they can't cross and the same is true with marvel and dc you know having you know cena goes firsthand he's like hey marvel won't let me do what i want to do with this that, and the other but you have that's kind of the creative process you have to be willing to just say, hey, cool, what can we do? What can't we do? And uh, and run with that. You uh, mentioned earlier how uh, the MCU kind of opened your eye. Well, I mean, I'm sure you already were a Marvel fan, but it made you a bigger Marvel fan. Um, and, and DC's kind of doing their own thing. But I kind of want to ask you a general question about the comics industry as a whole, because you're obviously heavily involved with that. Um, how, how have you seen the industry evolve since the MCU basically caught fire because I know before the MCU came out, the comics industry was in a bit of trouble. Um, it has seemed to have a resurgence over the years that kind of is paralleling what's going on in, with the movies. Um, how do you see the industry as far as the stability of the industry right now? And where do you th see things going in the next few years? Honestly, I feel like it's a, it's a very difficult question for me because I'm, I'm so enamored with comics and, and, you know, I feel like my, my opinion is heavily biased because since you go back to you can go back to you know the 70s and look at the superman movie you can go back um and and really start that as really the the beginning you can see uh when stan and avi sold the rights to to spider-man and the x-men to create the animated shows all of that has played into the uh the building of these franchises building these characters in meaningful ways and now you're seeing it even more with shows like sweet tooth why the last man uh watchmen you've seen so many of these shows come from comic books. And I think that more and more of our content is coming from comic books. Um, so I do believe that comic books are here to stay. I know the numbers have been through the pandemic. They've gone up, up and through the roof for so many creators and so many publishers. I'm, I'm very close with a lot of publishers. And I think that it's the place to go for premium content before it gets turned into a TV or movie. You know, people always go, I, want, I have a screenplay, I'm going to do a comic book. But it's, you have to kind of do a comic book because you want to do a comic book and then see if it has the trajectory to make it. 
you talked about how well the industry is doing, uh, particularly with the pandemic. How have you seen the ad? Because I was a, and I don't know about, I know Dave is a million years older than me. Um, you talked about uh, picking up comic books, um, you know, at the, at the brick and mortar stores. I, I've always loved like the, pla- like getting my comics, the plastic bags. How has digital media impacted the industry in in your view just in sort in terms of like you know we've got comiXology now uh, amazon i think does works through comiXology as well and, and just there's all these other like sort of medias do you see the end of print comics coming you know i i just asked this question on twitter the other day and i said how do you read comics digitally or in print and i probably had three four hundred responses and from that i, I want to say it's 50 50. Half the people are print only, no way, digital all the way, forget about print. Um, so print is very much alive and well. There's still a lot of demand for print, but digital is still a factor too. And I think that there's people out there who want to read digitally and they're going to find a way to read it digitally, whether it's Comixology or on whatever app they have or, or, or whatnot. Um, but I think, you know, there's people who, you know, back Kickstarters and only want the digital option because there's a lot of people who, Listen, if you're a comic book collector, you know this. Space is limited in houses. You're not you can have a, a whole room dedicated to comics and you feel like that whole room comic boxes aren't pretty to look at. They're like you the stuff, the artwork in the comics is is gorgeous. But like when you get to the other stuff, it can become a burden. So it's it's uh, I think print is definitely here to stay and I think the value of comics are here to stay, but I think digital is also very much alive and well as well to kind of tag on to what you and Patrick are talking about with this, the industry has just exploded during the pandemic and obviously people have more downtime and were locked down and had to read a lot more. But you also talked about all these streaming shows that have been comic centric basically. And, and they've been doing it remarkably well. You look at shows like the boys, umbrella Academy, lock and key, you know, the witcher, which is kind of more video game based, but you know, People have been interested in this stuff for decades. Why do you think it has caught fire over like the last five, six, ten years where, you know, like this show, where a show like this, which is based on nerd culture, can prosper? Uh, why do you think that it has become in the forefront that everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, and get this content out there that is based on some of these remarkable stories? You know, I think people want to see I think people want to invest in success. You, you always want to take something that you know and you love, and if you're going to translate it or champion that project, you want to know and love the source material. And I think, you know, when you add that visual element to comics, I think it makes it so much stronger for people. People really connect with the emotions of the character because you can read their expressions. So there's that face language. There's that language you only get by being on a, a face-to-face um, where you can see what that process is. And I think that's really powerful to create it. I think there's the future, I think in anything to create an IP is incredibly challenging, but once you have that IP to service that IP and continue to have it grow is also incredibly challenging. You know, it's not Steamboat Willie came out for, for Disney and that was their first comic book and or that first, their first animation. And they serviced the mouse for generations so they can continuously use him and, and reinvent him and make him better. Um, and that's what, what the journey is. So, I'm just gonna I'm gonna shift gears almost entirely here and and ask a, a question. We've got we know that there's a lot of projects and things that are coming up out there. You know whether it be streaming series that are that are debuting. Um, 
what is one upcoming project that somebody else is producing that you're excited to see on a screen? Yeah, I'm glad you said that someone else is producing because that that kind of narrows it down for me a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah. There's so much that um, is coming out right now that I'm just like beyond excited for. You know, I, I have friends who are working on uh, Doom Patrol, What If, and they've done Doom Patrol has been phenomenal. What If has been phenomenal, you know, and I think I'm excited to see more of that, to see the expanded uh the expanded version of those and, and see how they continue to grow. Like there is so much that I'm a fan of right now. And I feel really in a weird way, super blessed because I don't feel like I'm craving content at all. Like, I feel like I have old content. If I want to go back and watch old Star Trek that I have never seen deep space nine, uh, you know, I just finished the next generation. So I always have old content to go back to, but I still have always new content with, what if, uh, Walking Dead, you name it, and you still have so much great stuff to follow up on and follow into. I love that you mentioned Doom Patrol and What If, both shows that we review on on this podcast every week uh, as, part of our, uh, as part of our weekly rundown. So perfect, perfect timing and, and perfect selections. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Doom Patrol because, uh, you know, you've worked at Image. So I want to ask you about an Image property and see if you think that this one will ever be brought to streaming or something like that. I'm a huge fan of Saga, which makes Doom Patrol look relatively tame as far as insanity goes. Do you ever see them a chance that they might bring that to a, a streaming platform? 1,000%. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, yes. it's such a big hit in the comic book space that there's no way that it doesn't go. And I don't know if... Brian and Fiona own the rights right now, if they've optioned them or what the situation is. But look at Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man came out, you know, I want to say in the early 2000s. Is that right? And yes. it's taken 20 years for the show to come out on FX. We've had it. We've heard casting rumors for a long time. Same with 100 Bullets. We've heard so much that's come out with it. And But Why the Last Man is actually here. It's taken 20 years and it's freaking awesome. And uh, it's one of my favorite comic book series of all times. And to see it kind of come out is is really, it's surreal for me because it's so cool. I just want to see he, Lion Cat for real. I, I mean, I, think <laughs> I can see the Lion Cat plushies and stuff selling better than Grogu. I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And it's a huge franchise with uh, Brian K. Vaughn is a genius. So it's, yes. uh, he's, he's, He's going to do absolutely phenomenal with it. And who knows when that comes out? You know, Why the Last Man is also Brian K. Vaughn. So hopefully this this shows a success and, and Saga will come out right after. You know, it's it's only a matter of time when people sense really successful comic books because of what The Walking Dead has done. Um, people are willing to take that risk on it, whether it's Netflix, uh, Hulu, or you name it. They're, they're willing to throw the dice, you know, roll the dice at it because they know they have an innate fan base. You know, you look at what Invincible has done. Invincible was phenomenal for being a show that's you know based on a comic book that was out 20 years ago same thing it's it takes that long for stuff to come out it's just kind of the nature of what we do and the true fans are here for it and they go oh my god this is amazing and the people who are who are new to it uh they learn it from from that experience for the first time and that's also so awesome and, and hopefully it continues to grow and blossom into into much cooler things you know what uh, property I want to see get a second chance. Tank Girl. Tank Girl had a movie had a movie uh, with Lori Petty that is a cult classic, but I think could 
find a very nice home on a on a streaming service somewhere and that's that's like my personal like god i wish that would come back i had a i had a professor who was obsessed with that comic made us all read it for a for a heroism class um and how it just challenged challenged all these different sort of ideas of what a hero was and yes make that a series somebody some streamers <laughs> please pick this up i think I think uh, everything that's old will become new again. And even it's about who champions the rights and who goes after them. You know, going to licensing conventions, I went to a licensing show with me and my partner this year. You realize that there's some amazing classics where the rights are available and you go, how did that get another TV show? Or how did you see that again? It's about people going after the rights. Uh, David Walker came on my show and talked about how he broke into comics. And he said, hey, I wanted to do a Shaft comic book. So I went out of my way to go find out who owns the rights to Shaft. And he went and he went to the first people. They said, no, we don't want to talk to them. We talked to them. And finally, he got in front of the people who have the rights to Shaft. And that's how he was able to get his first break into comic story. And since then, it's just been one thing after another for him uh, and doing Bitterroot, which is awesome. But that's the, 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 pro the process there is you have to go and knock on doors and see what's available and also see if you can get things like Tank Girl. Um, because that's how stuff gets made. That's like the cool stuff. Yeah. Speaking of uh, your show, the, the, the podcast, why don't you talk about that for a minute? What, where, how did you get the idea for the podcast and, and, and the general gist of it, uh, as to what you're doing, where you're talking to many different creators about the process, like you mentioned earlier, the process of creating comics. Um, so let, let people listening know about the show, where they can find it and, and just the general idea of it. Yeah, uh, Dreamer Comics is something I came up with because I was curious to share the journey for other comic book creators. I really wanted to champion my friends, uh, my other industry professionals, and really uh, get them to tell their stories and what makes their comic book come out. What you know, I wanted the no BS answers for, hey, what's going to make a comic book successful? What's your process like when it comes to creative? And uh, I, you know, there's so many people out there who. I would go to New York Comic Con, I'd go to San Diego Comic Con, who would come and hand me their script or come and hand me the thing, hey, this is a comic book I have. How do I make it? How do I do it? And it became inundated that I went, hey, there's there's actually a massive demand for this. People love comics and people also don't know the process and they want to learn about it. And that's where the show kind of came from. And, and now we're looking, we're staring on the barrel of 200 episodes. So it's, it's really mind-blowing. It's really really humbling to see the journey the show has taken and uh and you know to be able to interview everyone we've interviewed dave, dave do you mind if i ask omar the the most important question that we ask everybody who comes on to bandwagon nerds only if he's gonna allow it you bet. Well, for, first well first of all omar i have to know like um do you care for star wars are you a star wars fan yeah, you know, I, I am a Star Wars fan. Don't don't get me wrong. I definitely have my qualms with some of them, but uh, I I am a huge Star Wars fan. It is good that you mentioned qualms, sir. So, better film, The Rise of Skywalker or The Last Jedi? Um, you know, it's it's hard because uh, The Rise of Skywalker to me had a lot of it felt more like Star Wars. So if you're going purely from a feeling point, it felt like, you know, bringing in the holocrons on. I was a massive fan of the books growing up. Holocrons were only ever in books. You'd never seen it before on screen. And for me, that was a big yes moment. The the weird love story between 
uh, Ray and Kylo didn't feel right to me. Uh, the ending with Palpatine coming out of left field didn't feel right to me. Um, but I do think tonally, feeling-wise, it felt better to me than The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was really uh, funny and charming, but it took away from the Star Wars feeling that I had before. Um, so from that, like, I think, you know, Ryan Johnson's an incredibly talented director, but I think, you know, I, I, I feel like I wasted 45 minutes of that movie following Finn accomplished nothing. Right. Um, you know, and I feel like that to me was a big letdown. And I was like, this isn't a star Wars movie. Like where's there was, there was no growth. No, there was, it didn't, it felt like there was a lot missing from, from both of them, honestly. So if I had to choose one, I'd probably go rise of Skywalker. Oh, <laughs> my man. Oh, it's, no. it's been a running oh. debate for a year, Omar, uh, over a year now as, as to, as to this it, thing. But, you know, you mentioned Star Wars. Uh, let me, cause we talk streaming shows and things like that. The Mandalorian. What are your thoughts on that series? Uh, especially the way season two ended with the whole, Luke Skywalker's back at least for a little while moment of, of the year sort of thing. It, it was amazing. I mean, being a fan of these franchises and these characters for so long, you, you're like, you want to you, you crave that you crave that connection to the other franchises, you know, and like, listen, if you are going to say in 20 years from now that the Mandalorian is going to appear in another franchise and have the same effect, I believe you. Some kids are going to grow up with baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and they're going to pop on screen and go, Oh my God, I can't believe they used him. And Luke Skywalker was like our guy. He was our hero. He's the hero's archetype. He's Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey embodied. Um, so I, I I think it's so awesome to see that him come back. And I think that whole show is John Favreau's a genius, and I think that whole thing is is executed immaculately. I I think this is kind of the last question for me uh, as as a as I think about this. But you, we talk a lot about fans and fandom. Uh, how do you see that now influencing a lot of these properties and, and sort of the creative directions for things like, and I think about like, I, I think about this a lot with the Abrams star Wars trilogy. And when he, like one of the first advertisements that he did when we were getting ready for the force awakens was very much this, like I'm, I am a fan just like you he, and, and very much showing this, like respect and reverence for the original trilogy that a lot of folks didn't feel within the, those prequels. So I, I kind of go back and forth on that. I, I see a lot of attention and service to fans that I, I think is a little bit different than what I saw in like the eighties when, when these pieces, when, when a lot of these works were first being created. Sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? I so it's really, really about how has, how has fandom and like these followings, like, and you see it with like, you know, with Star Wars or with Harry Potter or uh, heck, even Twilight, Marvel, DC. How do you see their their reactions playing into some of these these creative processes and these films that are being made now? And, and how I, I see them being stakeholders at, in these properties as much as any writer or director. Um, and I was just kind of wanting to get your take on, on how fans have have kind of evolved into being as much a part of, of filmmaking as, as the filmmakers. It's really tough because I think nobody sets out to make something bad. No one ever goes out and goes, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to tear this up. I'm going to destroy this franchise. It, no one ever does that. <laughs> they, they want to champion something they want to do in the right way. And it, you know, there's so many different people involved through any production. So 
you have to have that one person who's going to say, this is whose story it is. You know, here's the protagonist. Here's the journey for it. And the fans really are, they're the ones who decide if it's worth talking about and worth being about. You know, if you love something, you're going to champion it to your friends. You know, we saw, we see it's happening right now with Squid Game. We've seen it happen with Game of Thrones. We've seen it happen with The Walking Dead. And the proof is in the fandom. If the fandom comes together, that's it. You have a a franchise, you have a hit, um, and people respond to it and they love it. And if you you're not able to connect with people, the word of mouth doesn't happen. It doesn't it doesn't come together. It doesn't make something. Uh, it doesn't make an impact culturally. And if someone may really like it and someone may really love it, but you'll also have those people who don't like it and don't love it. And if you don't have that people coming together, the franchise is not going to be as strong as something else. So it's important always to service the fans and try to get something that's going to connect with people as much as possible. Well, I know we could talk to you for another hour, but I know you got better things to do or more important. <laughs> I'll say more important things to do. So I want to close off asking you this because we've discussed this on the show many, many times. And you mentioned the MCU earlier and we've talked about DC. I just want to get your overall thoughts. How do you feel about the MCU? where it's going right now with this ever-expanding universe that gets bigger every week. And then DC's approach has been a little bit different. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on on the MCU and, and where DC is right now and and how you're feeling about that. Listen, I am a DC fanboy. I love DC. I can't watch the movies. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're really, you know, I feel like you're, you're missing a lot of the souls of the characters and what they're doing. Like Superman... And you look at the original, like, Man of Steel. He lets his dad die. You're like, you know, these characters are supposed to be these superheroes. And if you're Superman, you're not going to let your dad die to prove a point. Like, it's not – it just didn't sit well to me. They're trying to be something they're not dark and brooding and, and this and that. And they're so far deep into it that the whole thing is just a mess to me now. The only way, in my eyes, they could, like, redeem this is they go, hey, listen, they were the crime syndicate all along. They're not Superman, Wonder Woman, but they're actually Ultraman they're all the evil versions of themselves because it just seems like the characters, none of them particularly seem likable to me with the exception of maybe wonder woman. Um, and I don't mean to cut you off, but with what you just said right there, do you see them going flashpoint paradox with the flash movie to kind of try and do what you're talking about? Yeah, I think they need to. I think it's, it's hard because they, you look at it honestly and you go, Hey, listen, is this going to be, uh, we need a reset. We need we need a change of direction. Like, sure, Aquaman made a billion dollars. Sure, Wonder Woman has its success, the first one and and whatnot. But listen, it's you need to have content that people are going to gravitate towards, and they have to start thinking about the kids. They have to start thinking about all ages content, not to be so uh, violent and dark and brooding and and you know focus on who the characters are. I feel like they lost a lot of the soul of the characters through these movies. Well, Marvel has hit it directly on. They have the right amount of seriousness, they have the right amount of tone, and you know, they Marvel has done a phenomenal job. They've If I was a kid growing up right now, I think we'd all agree that there's no better time to have content in for comic books. Like it just doesn't exist. These movies have been exactly what any kid would imagine and and hope for. And every single movie holds up to this day. I don't think there's a single movie where I was like, "Huh." Eh, you know, that one should be erased from from continuity. There's not a single one where and that's astounding. You look at you look at DC and it's like two out of every three should be erased from continuity. And you look at any you look at, you know, Tom Cruise and had to try to do it with the mummy. 
you know, and he said, hey, listen, we're going to have we're going to take the Universal Monster series and do do the same thing Marvel's doing. And the first one bombed. And it's not easy to make a good movie. But Marvel has the formula and they do it every single time, which is really, 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 really commendable. And that's to me, the biggest thing is they've found a formula. They work with it and, and make it ha- make it happen every single time. Is it casting that, is, that they get right? Is it? No, casting? I you know, I really feel like it's storytelling. I really feel like that's it for me. Because like, casting, you can cast the, the same person right two or three different times. The, the casting's super important too, but I think it's storytelling. At least for me, it's the storytelling. It's making sure that the formula works and making sure that you have this uh, this journey following the three-act structure is that you can go and do with every single Marvel movie. And that's why they all feel predictable. They all have their humor about them. They all have their seriousness about them. And they all work. So you know which DC movie to me hits those points that you talked about, and Dave knows exactly which movie I'm going to bring up. I love Shazam so much because that movie was fun to watch and was every bit the superhero movie that I felt like a lot of those lighter Marvel flicks were. Like everything you just described that with Zachary Levy all the way through. I love Shazam. Shazam was so much fun. I think they they did a great job with Shazam. But you're like, it's so hard because you you were like, oh, great, they're going to bring in this universe and that universe and this character and that character. And I think they're, you know, the the in the comic books, the crossover, like you said, was so cool. When Spider-Man's going to be in a comic book, I would like be like, I'm going to pick that up. The Flash is in this issue of, of Superman. Why? Are they racing? Oh, who's going to win? Like that part of it was so cool. But if you're dealing with crossovers and the other characters don't work, if Superman shows up at the lunch table at the end and you're like, Oh, I don't like Superman. It kind of <laughs> it gives you a different feeling than oh my gosh, it's Captain America. Like it's my 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 friend. Like you know. So I uh, I think Shazam was fantastic, but I think the whole universe needs to be revised and, and fixed. Yeah, I mean, and, and Patrick knows I'm, I'm like you, Omar. I'm pre- predominantly well, I wouldn't say predominantly, but you know, maybe fifty five, forty five DC versus Marvel. But I feel the same way you do, and and I don't want to keep going on, but I'm just curious about this thought. Marvel really didn't have anything to compare to. Iron Man was a new IP, basic or new property, um, in for movies at least. Captain America tried to have been done, but not really. Uh, Batman and Superman, who are the cornerstones of DC, have been done and redone and done iconically. You know, Christopher Reeve's Superman, you're not going to top that. Uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, or even Christian Bale's. Lots of stuff to to really fail by comparison. Do you think that that had something to do with DC's problems? Absolutely, and I'll tell you why. I think Christian Bale's Batman was a huge success. It was phenomenal. They did a great job. They asked hard hitting, uh, emotional questions. You know about sanity, about uh, fear, about you know. You look into, you know, purpose. And they executed those so perfectly, so perfectly that DC was like, "Great, more of this. This is what works. People want to see more of this style." But Wonder Woman's not that type of character. Superman's not that type of character. That's Batman, and that worked for that Batman with the right visionary behind it. And it didn't work. It doesn't work for the whole line. It doesn't work for Justice League. Justice League it should be a ray of hope, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like ragtag group of misfits. And I'm like, no, Justice League is God's coming together to save the world. So, you know, I think for me, I, I, I hope that they're able to just, you know, start anew and 
you know, really look forward. The, the, the best part about DC right now is their TV shows have been fantastic and their animation has been bar none. So, so fun to watch. So fun. Every single one has been great. Um, so they're doing a lot right. But in terms of their big scope, I'm worried that in the long run, people are still just there because their kids don't know what's bad and good. Like they'll watch whatever and go, oh, cool, Batman. But adults are the tastemakers in that re- regard. And it's important to try to get it right. And I think uh, DC has to go back to the drawing board sadly. Yeah, I love the crime syndicate idea. <laughs> that would be awesome if they pulled that out of their hat. Um, <laughs> hey, Omar, look, I, you know, Patrick, you got anything else? I, I was going to let our friend go here. No, no. I, I'm just so appreciative that you were able to give us a little bit of your time um, for this, uh, for our 100th episode. It's It was so great to be able to pick your brain today to to just get some some insight from somebody who knows um, and has been a part of the industry and is – just getting started really in the scope of, of your career. Like it, it, there's just nothing but big things for you. And um, I'm honored. And I think Dave is too, that we, we were able to get you on the show and to talk to us today. So thank you very, very much. The honor is all mine guys. And, and congratulations seriously on a hundred episode. That's, that's really something to, uh, to look forward to. And I look forward to getting to a thousand next. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And Omar, before we let you go, please let people know where can they follow you as far as social media for Twitter, for any of the projects you've got going on for the, the podcast. Uh, please share that with our listeners. Yeah. If people want to check me out on Twitter, I'm pretty easy. I'm at Omar Spahi. You can't miss me. Um, I'm, I'm just me on Twitter and uh, I love interacting with people and, and try to, you know, stay around comic books and, and focus on their culture stuff. Well, thank you so much, sir. I We greatly appreciate you being our guest of honor here on episode 100. Wish you nothing but the best. Safe travels to Europe, and uh, we will be talking to you very soon. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Patrick. Great being here. Guys, I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun doing that interview, and Dave deserves all the credit on this one. Dave is the one who took the lead on getting Omar onto the show Big thank you to Omar uh, Spahi, by the way, for doing the interview, for for taking the time to talk to us uh, about a couple of things. But I, I don't know about you, Dave, but it was just it was so much fun to talk to somebody who, you know, he has an IMDb profile, has had dinner with Stan Lee. Like, like this dude is 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 well connected and on the rise in the business. And, and we got to we got to have him on our show for for our 100th episode. And I was just thrilled that you were able to get him. I got to give a lot of credit to one PC Tunney for this interview because Tunney actually got his email like a year ago, but then the pandemic started and we kind of went in a different direction. And, and, you know, it it actually worked out for the best to delay reaching out to him because yeah, I mean, reaching out last March would have probably not been the best of ideas. And a year later he's done a lot more stuff, but yeah. So thank you, Tunney for reaching out to him I actually was in bandwagon nerds the other day on the Twitter profile, reading the, mm-hmm. the DM conversation I was like, Oh wow. Okay. There it is. Uh, so that was very cool that he followed us a long time ago. And, um, but yeah, a great interview. Omar is just, he's dialed in with everything, you know, has written for image comics. I mean, said the things that he should have said, like rise of Skywalker was superior to last Jedi, that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that he's a he's a little bit more of a DC guy than <laughs> he's a little bit more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. But his take on the DC movies, I thought was was sorry.
he, he was spot on on that. Don't no, boo Omar Spahi. Where he, um, I'm not booing Omar Spahi. I'm, I'm booing Dave's support of Omar's not congruent opinions with mine. <laughs> but his, um, his take on the DC stuff was echoing a lot of ours. That it just he he has some issues with how DC has portrayed a lot of the characters, the darker stuff that it doesn't resonate with what he envisions the DC product should be. Uh, I think. 90% of that I would agree with. Absolutely. So uh, I thought it was a fantastic interview. The be- One of the best parts for me was where he confirmed they're going to turn Saga into a streaming series at some point in time. So I am absolutely excited about that. I can't wait to see the sales of the Lion, Lion Cat plushie toys. Those are going to be magnificent. So it- it's a great interview. I also, we should also point out, make sure you're checking out Omar's podcast, uh, Dreamer Comics yes. podcast. Because he, I mean, it is a fascinating ride every week to listen to him talk to people about the the process, the creative process of creating comics and bringing those to reality, to fruition. It's a great podcast, a really good listen. Make sure you're checking that out and everything else he's got going on. But yeah, a huge shout out and thanks to Omar Spahi for taking the time out to come on the show. I mean, we could have talked to him for an hour and a half. Easy. We just had to cut it off out of respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're going to have this on the show. Obviously it's going to, it's going to be the, you know, it's the, it's the interview you just heard. We're also going to release it as its own pod at some point as well. I've talked to Greg, uh, looking at just having that interview as it, as its own little segment, uh, for folks to listen to. So more to come on that and, and putting that out there. Uh, but it, yeah, just, a, just a terrific way to, have a, a final segment for our 100th episode. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Wanna go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs> Okay, Patrick O'Dowd actually has two questions. Question number one, Tony, what the hell happened in your Packer game that set you and DP like raising your hands up in the air as I'm watching you both like flip out in football? Uh, 57-yard field goal with 26 seconds left. Uh, doinks off the right upgrade for the Bengals, so now the Packers have the ball with no timeouts, 21 seconds left, and at least we have the potential of overtime. But no one really cares about that. This is Bandwagon Nerds 100, and OMG... It's fucking been a great show. Well, and that's a nice segue because here we are at 100 episodes in. I, I announced this before we started recording. This is the first time in a long time that I have brought back the scotch. I admitted that I've been drinking. I brought back the scotch just for today. This is actually a special bottle that I bought, a Belvini American a Toast to the American Oak Cask. Um, special edition scotch that they have for sale. It's a 12-year-old. Thought it was worth cracking open for today. Good things are clearly happening for the Green Bay Packers. My question to all of you is less of a question. is just more of an opportunity uh, for some reflection. So everybody on this show has been a part of multiple episodes of Bandwagon Nerds. And so really my question for you guys is, you know, we're 100 episodes in. What have been some highlights for you or just what have you either liked um, or, or enjoyed doing on on this podcast? Um, and, and I'll start with we'll start with DP. I'm going to pick on you first um, as a special guest. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show and, and 
you know, I will, I will be honest. Like I, you're, you're missed. You really are missed on the show. We loved, we loved when you were, when you were a regular. Um, and so it was really great to have you back on the show, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you to, to reflect on 100 episodes of bandwagon nerds first. I'll start by congratulating since I haven't yet, but congratulations on the hundred episodes. Uh, I was, I was here for a handful. Uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. I think for me, what I've liked the most, honestly, is the movie reviews. I loved that we got to start doing that. Um, I still read your guys' reviews of the movies. Uh, you did a couple of my favorites uh, recently with Howard the Duck. I uh, loved that one. And Flight of the Navigator, which is uh, the Dillonator's favorite of all time. And is very excited about the remake that's coming out here. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for you guys to do The Wizard. Um, you know, that'd be a good one. <laughs> I love the glove. That's right. It's so bad. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just talking about that, I, I loved, you know, with reviewing, um, you know, TV shows, uh, even though for the most part, I like to binge watch them. Uh, the few times <laughs> I was on when we, when we would do them, I, I did force myself to only watch one at a time so I could stay in line with you guys, especially with the boys. I think we did that with, season one uh together right. so that was that was a lot of fun uh those are really cool i, I love doing that stuff because it's great to just be able to listen or watch shows and then talk about them and break it down and that's that's a lot of fun i love that we did that talking comic books i know big dave's big fan of the comic books and we would break down you know some of the the different ones to read that got me into a lot of different ones that i haven't read before that i got into start reading a little bit more to get dive deeper into, you know, Iron Man and um, a couple of the Batman series is going back and, and reading like Court of Owls and stuff like that, which was like just really cool stuff. Um, just, I mean, all around, because, you know, I'm a big nerd. Uh, that's why I was part of the show. And that's why I enjoy listening to the show and, and everything, because I love every single bit of things that we talked about uh, and that guy, you guys continue to talk about. So it's it's pretty cool to just all around. But that's so that's a couple of my favorite moments from when i was on and from what i continue to read and listen to you guys uh as you've reached 100 episodes awesome all right we're gonna go in order of number of shows co-hosting so ray cash you are next on the list china's been on longer than me yes man um so first and foremost <laughs> so first and foremost let me it's not say, even close dude <laughs> hey let me say congratulations to myself for being a part of 100 episodes that I wasn't a part of, but that the ones I was a part of were fantastic because of me. So congratulations to me and only, no, I'm joking. Dave Patrick. You want to boo me, I'm going to give you a reason. You did that to yourself, sir. I, yeah, you're going to boo me, I'm going to give you a reason. <laughs> All, jokes like... aside. All jokes aside, I've been doing content creation since 2010. In some form or fashion, I've worked for some uh, or written or podcasted for some pretty cool and some not decently sized sites. I've never in my life seen a show like this. And Patrick and Dave, what you guys have created in DP, you were originally a part of it, too. Um, but what you guys have built and what you guys have grown and, 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 and made into something that is big enough to reach 100 episodes is mind-boggling you know the consistency of what you guys have done the 
number of projects you guys have taken on. Uh, some, that's something I've enjoyed are the projects we've had, like the the um, the villain project and things like that. That's really been cool for me. Um, really make me kind of keep my nerd brain going. Uh, but to to have a wrestling site and to say, nah, screw, we're gonna do something on wrestling. And the gumption and the balls to have that and to stick with it, despite whatever I'm sure you guys had to deal with, because I've, my God, I've had so many shows and and columns and things in my own right. I know what it is. It's amazing to me. And the fact that you guys aren't sick of each other yet, you still love doing this. You still love showing up to work every Wednesday at, I'm not Wednesday, I'm sorry, every Sunday at one o'clock on the dot, no questions asked. It's amazing to me. And I want to make sure that people understand that y'all get the full product on Monday when we put the show out. But the work that comes into it, the work that it takes to bring up, the, to, to create a rundown, the work that it takes to edit these damn shows, the work that it takes to care enough about this product so much that you go and out of your way to watch all this shit we watch. And yeah, we, we love it. But like a lot of it, sometimes I know this shit I've watched. I would never have watched if it wasn't for the show. Mandalorian being a major one. I would have never watched it. If it wasn't for this show. And now this is one of the favorite shows I've ever watched in my life. So I want to thank you guys for taking a chance on me. Because you did not have to bring me on. And I'm truly thankful for that. I want to thank you guys for giving me a place. That this part of my fandom and my mind. Could have something to kind of expand it. And, 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 and kind of bring that part of my mind out. I want to thank you all for that. And I want to thank y'all for just being you guys 100% on the show, outside of the show, 100 episodes in, in TV. If you reach 100 episodes, that means you can go into syndication and live forever. And I feel like this, now that we reached 100 episodes, bandwagon nerds will live forever. I know that's cliche, but I feel that way whether I was on the show or not. I li- this is the one show a week, and I'm a part of a thousand of them that I look forward to. And that's because of you guys. That's because of the show and, and the and the culture that this show has bred. So truly from the bottom of my heart, from Rance, thank you. Thank you. Have you faced her? No. No, don't no don't don't get comfy. Go grab your pillow. And he's out. Pillow. I just said, I mean, I guess I really half-assed my fucking congratulations. Jesus, man. Uh, yeah. he's, he's grabbing his pillow. Ooh. Tony, it's your turn. Some reflections on your time as a part of the bandwagon. The lists. I love the lists. I, I love the interaction we have on the list, regardless of the topic, regardless of the, the genre. I just truly enjoy that. I, I think the back and forth we have there, and the gumption we have to get in there and defend our picks is just an awesome thing on this show. I, I just love what, I mean, and you know what? You and Dave are the ones that uh, that are the bearers of this show together. And you guys do a great job. And I, I can, you know, I you guys are so consistent and trustworthy and, 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 and not just with the process, but with the delivery of content. Like you guys are on top of everything and it's amazing and it's awesome. And I truly told you the, the, uh, the reason I want to be on the show every week is cause I want to listen to it, but the time I have is now. So I want to be here live and I love it. And I don't rearrange my life for a lot of things. Uh, golf is one of them. 
Well, I rearrange golf to make sure that I'm on this show Damn almost sure. every single week. And um, I want to congratulate you guys for creating something that's fucking awesome. Because anytime I bring up Chairshot Radio Network to people, it's one of the first shows I talk to them about and say, give this a listen because there's something there that you're going to like and, and the personalities are awesome. So I wish you more success in the future. This is just the beginning and you guys are just catching your groove and, and it's amazing to be here and be a part of. And uh, if you're listening, tell someone about this show because they're going to like it. Thank you, Dave. You've done more shows than anybody, actually, out of all <laughs> you have done the most. What you missed? Two? Two? Maybe. Maybe two. I, I just want to know like a hundred episodes, race talk and syndication. Are we getting paid now, Pat? Is is that what I heard? Is that, is that I, I heard the checks in the mail. All right. Sweet. I've gotten man. lost in the mail. <laughs> uh you know. This show has been so great, and I got to shout out to all you guys. Shout out to DP for being around for the early days of the show, and and uh, I still remember that video game project that was rekindled my love of video games a lot because we talked about such classics that it just made me want to get back into that. I, I, I mean, shout out to Tunny, of course, for just being there and being, you know, kind of a a. a somebody I could go back and fall back on and some of the more technical editorial stuff, as well as just the content that we've done. Tony's been a rock for this whole thing. And of course, Ray, all bullshitting aside, man, you, you filled a big gap when, when, when DP had to go on and do other things and, and you didn't have to do that. And just your love, your nerddom, your knowledge has been a massive addition to the show, especially the back half from 50 to 100, definitely from 50 to 100 has been immeasurable your your contribution to the show and of course got to give a shout out to the main man patrick i mean we 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 mess around with each other on the show a lot and we act you know like we're antagonists but i really look at us more of like different sides of the same coin you know we're talking about the same thing but just a little different perspective here and there and it's been a great ride a great journey um I, i'm a lot like like what ray said the shows the the show reviews because I wasn't watching that much TV or streaming until we started reviewing these shows. And you guys opened up my eyes to like this tremendous world of, of entertainment that's out there. And I mean, I was very, you know, very critical of what was out there, you know, before I really started taking a look at it. I thought like you guys were saying earlier, Oh, it's all derivative. It's just a bunch of rehashes. There's no creativity. There's no originality. And you start watching these streaming shows and maybe that still counts for Hollywood with the exception of the MCU and that sort of thing. But you watch these shows. Um, there's nothing derivative really about the boys or about umbrella Academy or about lock and key. Other than the only derivative part is they grabbed them from graphic novels and just adapted those. But you guys have really made me tune into this great world of, of content that's actually out there that I had no idea. So even, you know, I mean, funny thing is bandwagon nerds. Remember Patrick, we struggled with the name of this show for weeks before we actually just threw out like the before the first episode it was like ah oh, let's try bandwagon nerds my wife still hates the name of the show but it's stuck for 100 episodes because it actually is appropriate you know we and to have 100 episodes with just 22 hardcore listeners for this whole time that's <laughs> that's a real testament to the longevity and the staying power 
of the I know. Johnny. I mean, I see. I see the numbers. It's a joke. More than twenty-two listeners. It is. I, I never. I've never once asked for the actual listenership on this show because, frankly, I don't care. Um, in the sense that I don't. I like if we're speaking to any audience and that that brings people, you know, a couple hours to three hours to sometimes four hours of entertainment. Uh, then we've done our job. And, you know, I think that for me, when, when I look back at these hundred episodes, if you'd have told me back when I did a one-off interview with Dave and Rick uh, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that that would, one, turn into a show, that it would, two, turn into a show that I would host, and that would endure... And, you know, and use the word I, I use the word endure that, you know, we're coming up on two years worth of shows that we're that we have evolved, that we've that we found some different niches. That's and that I'd be able to talk about something that I'm passionate about with other people who are just as passionate as I am for, you know, 100 episodes. I, I would have never believed it. And. So if you're a listener, whether you're a listener from day one to a, a listener 100, I, I think for me it starts there in terms of the thank yous because with without you all, you know, and we joke the 22 of you, however many of you that are out there, thank you um, because it, it just it, it validates so much uh, of what we do and, and we can't we wouldn't be able to keep doing this content without all of you. For me, I've loved the list shows. I love, you know, being able to share things that I'm excited about, even things I'm not so excited about to be able to talk about these things on a, on a weekly basis with everyone. I've loved some of the interviews and opportunities that we've had to do. I still think back to a couple of the interviews we did in the early stages of the show, like Morgan from Sony, uh, Jim Ryan, who uh, talked to us about music, uh, to just going through and doing these projects and these lists and these drafts. By the way, I've already got it in my head. Episode 125, book it if you're available. Villain Cabal draft coming your way on the bandwagon. So think about your villains and who you want to draft, and we'll see who all will jump on board. However, um, I got to thank so many people here. Uh, I think, you know, we'll start with everybody that's in on this Zoom call. Um, every one of you brings something special, whether you're, you know, guest hosting or have been a regular. You know, we give Ray, I give you such a hard time, Ray. I love what you bring to the show. I love that you're, I, I love your passion. I love your passion outside of this show. I love watching this group in the bandwagon nerds chat try to outscoop each other on news items to then talk about on the show and ray being the night owl that he is posting shit at like three in the morning because he he's up and has it tony your your television acumen and just the shows that you'll recommend i i can't keep up with with what you keep up with you know, I'm glad I got you to watch Ted Lasso. Like, I really am because you watch so much that I'm like, man, I really think you'd like this show. And that, you know, you finally got it. I was like, that's a win. Uh, and, and that we've been able to do that. 
DP, I was I, I loved when you were on the show. I was sad to see you go, and I understood why. Uh, you know, you, you had to move on, and I talked about it a little bit before. You brought something so different uh, from what everybody else did because you know, video games are are every bar, every bit of part of this culture, and that's you know something that you were very big on. You know, the gaming, you you knew what was going on in the gaming industry way more than any of anyone any other one of us does. And I think, you know, I, as I, as I sit here and think about, you know, the next few shows, I, I want you back to do games, to do gaming episodes at some point, even if it's just like what's going on and what's happening or, or where we go next, because there's, there's a lot happening. And as the technology changes and improves and, and you know, and I still don't have an Oculus, but I've heard it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> get the Valve Index. Get the Valve Index. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I could imagine, I'll um, and, and you know, he gives me a hard time. He left and right. Um, but Greg DeMarco, uh, you know, it was great to have him on the show. It's, it's great that he's, he's alive and I know he's my best friend. So part of it is, you know, whatever my best friend lets me have a, have a show where I get to talk about everyone. But I know that Greg and Tony both have been champions for the show and are really the guys that that make chair shot radio uh or you know made chair shot radio run and gave us the opportunity to platform and allowed us to keep the platform and have given us good feedback like i've gotten dms from both of them at different times about things to keep and things to not keep and i just appreciate so much that we've been able to do this and keep this going i appreciate anybody who's done any level of of stint on this show and i i do have to shout out christopher platt as well you know we send up the platt signal as an extra guest he'll he'll come on most times and i even had him as a part of this call if he was available to jump on if he wanted to jump on we would have let him on i would have let him on and i would have let him talk because he's been just as much a part of this show as anybody else and so platt i don't know if you're even going to hear this show if you're even going to listen to this show but if you do thank you for being willing to jump in and be that extra guy when we needed that extra guy. So yeah, let, let's raise our glasses one last time to 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more and hopefully beyond uh, to bandwagon nerds. Thank you everyone for listening. That's going to do it this week. I'm going to take a drink and then we're going to start with DPP to tell everybody where they can find you out there in the universe. Mr. Scientist. Well, you can find me all over the worldwide social media interwebs at it's me, DPP, and make sure you're following the DWI podcast, the podcast DWI and Facebook.com slash DWI podcast. And just a shout out to what you mentioned that there's a lot of gaming stuff going on right now. Um, there is a lot of games. So if you are a gamer, Metroid Dread, I just picked up and been playing it all weekend. It's phenomenal for the Switch. Make sure you get that one. Just picked up Far Cry 6 as well. So far, so good as well in that one. Psychonauts 2, for those that have been waiting for the sequel, it's well worth the wait. Pick that one up. And all your sports fans, too. NBA 2K22, I thought very much improved from 21. And FIFA 22 as well just came out. So it's a, it's a good time to be a video game fan. I'll tell you that for sure. Excellent. Thank you. I will get Far Cry 6 in 2027. Yeah. Cash. I'm not, it's not about me. It's not about me today or this week. So I'm not going to give my Twitter. I'm going to say follow us at Bandwagon Nerds. Excellent. Very good. PC Tony. 
It's all about me all the time, and you can follow me at PC Tunny. So Ray, you fucking missed the boat. But this is a phenomenal. <laughs> this is a phenomenal show, uh, and and I just I personally can't miss it, and and I don't even risk the half the shit on my own radio network. So uh, generally, though, you can find me watching a soul sucking Packer game. <laughs> Excellent, and David Ungar. Soul sucking. You should try having the uh, Washington football team's defense this year. It's ridiculous. But you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude AGG, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And yeah, congratulate and of course at Bandwagon Nerds. And congratulations to all of us. Everybody here and Christopher Platt, Greg DeMarco, everybody involved. 100 episodes, man. Exactly. And you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Once again, follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds. And all this week, hashtag BWN100. Very, very proud of what we've been able to put out there for all of you. Thank you for listening to this first 100 shows. Let's hope that there are plenty more in your future. Listen Spread the word. Share this. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Use your head. Burgundy, of course, was the foundation, the rock. But each member brought their own special something to the equation. People call me the Bry Man. I'm the stylish one of the group. I know what you're asking yourself, and the answer is yes. I have a nickname for my penis. It's called the Octagon. But I also nickname my testes. My left one is James Westfall, and my right one is Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. You ladies play your cards right, you just might get to meet the whole gang. Every Friday night. Champ here. I'm all about having fun. You know, get a couple cocktails in me. 
start a fire in someone's kitchen, maybe go to SeaWorld, take my pants off. Anyway, I've become kind of famous for my signature catchphrase, whammy, as in Gene Tennis at the plate, whammy, whammy. I'm Brick Tamlin. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48.